What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Aaron Blauchuk. Hello! <laughs> and Jordan Walensky. It's a me! Who have both miraculously turned into Mario. <laughs> for those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations, basically once a month, or thereabouts. Three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together to take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. In this month's episode, we are talking about retro arrangements. So any music that was came from a movie or a TV show or... Real music made gamey. Yeah, real music turned into bleeps and bloops. <laughs> so um, to kick it off, uh, I'll go first. And uh, my first pick is from Chippendale Rescue Rangers for the NES. <laughs> Great game. Disney afternoon classic. Yes, yes. In the era that Capcom couldn't go wrong. Exactly, yeah. So there you go. Uh, developed by Capcom, uh, published by Disney Computer Software in 1990. Uh, music by Harumi Fujita, I believe. Vegeta? Fujita. <laughs> oh, okay. No, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, so this was uh, their game that came out right after DuckTales. Um and then it was uh, produced by Tokuru Fujiwara, who also produced Mega Man 2 and Ghosts and Goblins. So a lot of pedigree. Um, they said, uh, Capcom said it was uh, one of their least troublesome developments um, to meet Nintendo standards because as anyone knows who knows about Nintendo in that era, they were really strict about, um, you know, the game has to be family friendly. It has to, you know, get that Nintendo seal of approval. Has uh, to go through a bunch of. It's a hoops. pretty raunchy game, wasn't it? There was that, that Gizmo character. It's not yeah. raunchy. <laughs> She's my way. She's through. hot. Yeah, you guys are twisted. <laughs> it's kind of hard to uh, to screw up a family friendly platformer. Well, exactly, and that's, when you're Capcom in the '80s, so I think they kind of hit the button. Yeah. So, it wasn't family friendly. My brothers and I got into more fights over like picking each other up and throwing each other into enemies and well, cacti and yeah. off cliffs. Family so friendly. The best feature of the game. Yeah, exactly. That's Maybe the whole family point friendly of the game, gaming. Right? Yeah. <laughs> family friendly. But, um, but uh, it was actually Capcom's fourth highest selling title for the NES. Um, and uh, yeah, as we referenced what? it. Fourth? Yeah. Really? Fourth. I don't, was, I don't was know. Was DuckTales number one? I'm not sure. I don't know. I, it's probably Mega like, Man. Over I would guess Mega it would be Man? like. Yeah, I would guess it'd be Mega Man, like, 2 and 3 would probably be on there, and then maybe DuckTales, and then this. That's just a guess, yeah, though. I yeah, didn't that's see, probably it. I didn't look up what the other three were. Yeah. So, lazy. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like we were saying, great co-op game. You know, mileage may vary depending on how many times you punch your brother in the head. But, um, and then, of course, lots of good references to the show. You know, you're playing, when you're playing co-op, you're playing as Chip and Dale, and then you have, uh, what was it, Gizmo? And uh, Monterey Jack, Monterey, Monterey Jack, Jack. Yeah. and then who was the their, fly? Their little bee character or fly? Yeah, or he was in the game, but I don't remember Buzz, his name. Buzz or something? I don't remember. I can't remember. But and anyway. the villain was like Fat Cat. Yeah, Fat yeah. Cat. Yeah. yeah. So, and they're all in the game. So, yeah, um, yeah, great game and uh, great music. And oh yeah, and I'm playing just the the title track music, which is obviously the theme the theme for the song. So, let's have a listen.
other thing too is like uh, not just Capcom in the '80s, but the Disney Afternoon series. They all had awesome theme songs. The Chippendale Rescue Rangers yep. theme song, the Ducktales theme song, yep. the Tailspin theme song. Like they were oh, not Tailspin. They were not out of the I park. I forgot right? about Tailspin. And yeah, all that stuff was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Disney was cleaning up. Capcom was cleaning up. It was a magical time. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing yeah. Duck. Yeah, that's a real class. I yeah. I love Darkwing Duck. Yeah, it yeah. lives on in comic book form. I always feel like Darkwing Duck is the bridge between. DuckTales and Mega Man. Like right <laughs> in the middle. If you were to make an in-between game, it would be Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck, yeah. I don't know. That's just me. Mm, yeah, well, I don't know. I like I, I don't think I ever played the Darkwing Duck game. Um was is, there was a there Darkwing, Darkwing Duck game? Duck oh yeah. Games is that what you're was is it, that what you're talking about? Is it the game Capcom or the show? Developed? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. That's and, it fits right in there with DuckTales, Rescue Rangers. It's Capcom, it's Disney, it's a platformer. Picture Mega Man, but in the DuckTales theme. So you're Darkwing Duck and you're jumping around with your gun and you fight off all the classic villains from the TV show. Now, why doesn't that seem to have the exposure that DuckTales and Rescue Rangers do? It wasn't as good. Uh Now, the only reason I say that is because Rescue Rangers and DuckTales were very accessible. Like you could pick it up and play it and get pretty far in the game, but DuckTales or sorry, Darkwing Duck was on the level of Mega Man difficulty, but with the (laughs) Disney name attached to it. So it was that very much like you had to be either a Mega Man fan or a Disney fan. And sorry, it didn't work for a Mega Man fan or a Disney fan because it was a young kid. The young kid would like pick it up as a Disney fan and not be able to play it. Exactly that. It was somewhere lost in the middle that didn't really hit its mark. And that's kind of why people don't talk about it. That's too bad. I want to play it. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Did it, was its music good? I don't know if it was memorable. It yeah. wasn't on the level of DuckTales or Rescue Rangers or Mega Man. It was it was good though, but I don't think it had the the catchy theme songs as hmm. as the others did. Um, that was actually uh, one of the criticisms of Chip and Dale. I was, when I was doing my research, I um, people criticized um, Chip and Dale for being too easy, and so they said that it was a great game, but it just it was over too quick because it was too easy. But it was funny because some people said it was too easy, and then other people said it was challenging, depending on the review. So mm-hmm. I'd I say, what did you well, guys? Here's what the thing did you about guys Rescue think? Rangers is that it was super easy simply because you could skip so much of the game. Like it had that map screen where you could go to like Zone A, B, C, D, E, F, and you oh, could okay. jump ahead. And you could jump ahead. Like, yeah. and it was you. You would. I've actually gone through that game and played it like start to finish, and I'm like, I have to play every zone, but. You can skip most of the zones. You can beat the game in like five levels. Yeah, exactly. When there's like at least 10, 11, 12 levels. Yeah. And you can just jump through most of it. I think it's, what is it? It's like A, B, C, D, E, F. And I don't know, does it go beyond F? Yeah, but, it does yeah, because yeah. zone J is my favorite music oh, yeah, yeah. in the whole game. <laughs> yeah. So I know so it goes, that's a lot, right? so it, goes, it goes past J. I think J, J, K, something around there. And then you go up to the moon, remember? And then you, I think you could play a couple more levels or maybe one more level. I forget. Yeah. There's quite a few levels. I remember fighting Fat Cat, but I don't remember going to the moon. Maybe I'm remembering it crazy. Pretty sure you go to the end of the map and you go up to the moon. Uh I could be totally wrong (laughs) because I know you also do that in McKids. Yeah. So I don't know. And DuckTales, you go to the moon. So yeah, just every yeah. game you go to the you moon. You go to the moon. That's, that's the way it is. All, every Disney game has to have a moon level. It's just, it's yeah. written into Disney's code of conduct somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's all I really have to say about that game. But I want just want to say, like yeah. talking about playing that game, is that the game was easy if you were playing it by yourself. It was impossible if you were playing with somebody else. Just because. It was like Battletoads. Yeah, yeah, totally. You couldn't play it on multiplayer. You had to play it by yourself. Yeah. 
because you, you just couldn't cooperate well enough to uh, get through that game. You have to share all the items power that ups, you pick, yeah. the power-ups. Plus, you can really, you could get in the way and knock somebody in the hole. Yeah. And of course, you can't help it. You get this itch, you know, going through <laughs> your body the whole time you're playing. You're like, I see my friend over there. He's standing over there by the edge. And uh, yeah, I'm going to just pick him up and throw him in the hole. But just th for fun. This was also an early co-op game in a time where there wasn't, weren't a lot of like co-op games, right? It was usually player one versus player two, or you play at separate times. But this was you both working together through a story-driven platform towards the same goal. So. Yeah, that, that's one of the super cool things about it was it was an early, a really early co-op game. So, mm. um, And yeah, there just weren't that many of them out there. So um, one of the reasons I, I loved playing it was because it was where I played this game the most actually was when I, um, it was my babysitter, um, you know, the house that a bunch of kids went to. Oh yeah, I know that house. <laughs> but, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, <laughs> I just mean babysitter in terms of it wasn't like a daycare. It was just like some woman who ran it over her house. <laughs> Uh, her, her, her. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, you, her, that, yes. That, that woman's house, right? Yeah, yeah I remember her. where everyone used to go. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she had it, and so all the kids that came to her house after school, we would take turns trading off and playing it. That's where I played uh, NBA Jam for the first time too, stuff like that. So, but yeah, <laughs> the stranger's house. She wasn't looking after. Yeah, you. that's right. Here's just some some, some kid's house I wandered into every day. Controller wasn't even plugged in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> probably, probably. I might have been young enough for for that trick, but anyway. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Rescue Rangers. So do you want to go next, Jordan? Sure, I'll go next. Um, well, I'll, I'll go in order of uh, what came out first, and I'm going to jump to the NES back in 1992. And the song that I want to pick, I cheated a little bit on this song because it's kind of two songs, but essentially it's a medley because the game I'm going with is called The Blues Brothers. And the entire soundtrack to the game plays in every level you play. So in level one, if it takes you long enough, you'll listen to the entire soundtrack in one level. When you go to level two, it starts on the second song, but it'll still loop through the whole soundtrack over and over again. Wow, they must have saved a lot of memory by doing that crappy trick. I think yeah. they did, yeah. But, but the best part is that every single song is a Blues Brothers song. So I, if you're a fan of the Blues Brothers, you'll like the game for the soundtrack. I don't know if you'll like it for the gameplay unless you grew up with it, because for me, it's one of those games where... I like it because of the memories attached to it, nostalgia essentially, but I don't know if it would hold up today at all. If anything, I would say it's kind of a bad game. <laughs> well, it's funny because, uh, you know, video games actually introduced me to the Blues Brothers. I didn't know who they were when I was a kid, but in the game Space Quest 1 from Sierra on the PC, you go to a, a space alien bar on some backwater desert planet and you go to this bar and one of two things happen when you walk in. Either ZZ Top is playing or the Blues Brothers are playing. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. So, That's what, so awesome. what, what song yeah. by Blues Brothers? See, I, I never figured out which song they were playing. I'm okay. sure it's a real song because the one play by ZZ Top is uh, Sharp Dressed Man. Then the other one has to be the a real song. The other one has to be a real song. Yeah. Of course, it was the limitations of, like it was the PC speaker at the time. So like you talk about bleeps and bloops and this was just worst, bleeps yeah. and bloops. Yeah. But it was just funny because it was, you know, it was the Blues Brothers or very clearly ZZ uh, Top playing in this little bar. And it was... That's my, super awesome yeah. though. I, I've never heard of this game or this, but that's fantastic. Oh, Space Quest? Yeah, it's, a, it's an old classic. <laughs> Does that have anything to do with the Space Quest movie? Is there a Space Quest movie? I thought there was. No, there's no way. Oh, you, oh you're talking about Space Quest. Oh, yeah, the Tim Allen movie. Yeah, yeah, but no, that's not based on the a, game, that's right? That's a great movie, but no, not even close. Okay. Space okay. Quest, like, I don't know, way back in the day in Sierra's heyday when yeah. they'd made adventure games. So it was like King's Quest, Space Quest, Police Quest. Yeah. You know, there was something called Heroes Quest or Quest for Glory. Yeah. And so they had all these series and Space Quest was 
about this janitor who saves the galaxy through his blundering nonsense, essentially this inept guy who stumbles across the universe and saves the day. And it was a great series. It went through like six or seven different uh, iterations over the, over like a decade. Yeah, that reminds me of the, um, when you say janitor bumbling around, it reminds me of the guy from Ratchet and Clank. Oh, yeah. The, there's a, in, Ratchet, in the Ratchet and Clank series, there's just a janitor that they can t- they run into in every game. And he's always like, and he'll always make like some like kind of breaking the fourth wall reference to the to the previous game. And he's mm-hmm. like, they're like, didn't we see you here like five years ago or something? And he's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, the, the character in the, in the Space Quest series, Roger Wilco, is such, like, one of those classic gaming characters that I'm sure he gets referenced somewhere else. I wonder if, like, oh, you probably, have a space yeah. game with a janitor. It's probably a reference to Roger Wilco. But yeah. one more point on that space bar, the backwater planet, yeah. is that in the game Space Quest Four, Roger Wilco and the Time Rippers, you actually travel back and forth through time. So by traveling through time, you're essentially traveling to future Space Quest games, it's like... You go to Space Quest Ten. You go to Space games Quest. that haven't come out yet. Yeah, that haven't come out yet, and and <laughs> That's cool. you actually travel back to Space Quest One to that bar, and it's hilarious because you're essentially VGA graphics. So you're like a VGA character in like this early CGA sort of environment, like the most basic environment ever. You walk into this bar, and there's a bunch of EGA aliens in there, so they're all like black and white. So they're like mixing all these weird styles. But you go to the same bar on the same planet. And the graphics are exactly the same as the original Space Quest one. So it's, that's that's really, that's cool. really cool. Again, with ZZ Top or the Blues Brothers. Did they, did they put the old sound in there, too? Yeah, it was all the original sound. Oh, wow, that's too. super cool. <laughs> that's quite a, quite a reference. Cool. Well, uh, my song is not by Space Quest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the Space Quest tangent. Yeah, a bit of, bit of a tangent. I, I'll just, a side note, I, I, I am aware that there's uh, a few versions of the Blues Brothers game, and there was even, uh, I think, I don't know if it's a sequel or a remake on the Super Nintendo, but just listening to the soundtrack, it's, I'm going to say it's not as good, and I did grow up with a Nintendo, so I might be biased. But anyways, here's a little medley of the first two songs from the Blues Brothers games, and they are based off the songs Everybody Needs Somebody and Almost. Let's take a listen.
Have you ever seen Blues Brothers, Aaron? No, never. Like what? The movie or the sketch? The movie. No. Oh my god. Or Blues Brothers 2000. No, that's crap. But <laughs> <laughs> Blues Brothers, you need to watch Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers is, in my opinion, the only good musical outside of Disney, every Disney movie. But the only <laughs> the only good musical, like live action musical that's ever been made. It's so fucking that good. That is a very bold statement. Too. Blues Brothers is one of the few SNL sketches that I loved before I even knew it was an SNL sketch. Yeah. Because I just listened to the band. I grew up with listening to it. My dad was a big fan. Um, really got into the music. And then it wasn't until I got much older that I real I realized who was in the blues brothers band and realized that it was an, S an SNL skit. Yeah. They were the lonely Island of the day. They were. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. But uh, no, but, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Like it's a great film. I've seen clips. It's one of those things, you know, it's in pop culture. You see it everywhere. So, yeah. Oh yeah. But I haven't seen the whole movie. Oh yeah. You should, you should watch. I will say that my favorite, uh, Blues Brothers songs aren't in the game and I don't know why and I tried which looking ones, into which it. Which ones aren't? My favorites are, well, obviously everyone knows Soul Man, but my, yeah. my all-time favorite is uh, Sweet Home Chicago. And uh, I almost wonder if there was a licensing f uh, problem because I looked into when the dates of those songs came out versus when the release of the game came out. And there was no reason why it couldn't have been included unless the programmers just decided let's stick to these songs, not the ones that everyone knows, hmm. but maybe it had something to do with licensing. Cause again, because they're associated through SNL and, and um, not all their songs were written directly by them. They had some yeah. other actual musicians write their music. And it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I have a very similar point about one of my songs too. I guess it's, you know, we're talking about licensed music and games, yeah. and especially when you're dealing with a property that has a lot of different licensed songs. It's a, uh, there's going to be a lot of be some sort of issues. Yeah. I, it's I, just uh, like you can't re-release a lot of old games. I think that was actually, I think was the case with a lot of like games. It's like this, this game can never be released. I can't think of a specific example because it has like one song in it that they don't own the license to anymore. And it's too much work to go in and like remove it. So, and then some games, they slip under the radar because I have a song that didn't even get approval for essentially using a certain song and they just went for it. So <laughs> I think I know the one you're talking about, but, uh, anyways, I should mention that, uh, yeah, that the theme song to the game is the Peter Gunn theme. It's the only song in the game that doesn't fit into the loop when you're playing the levels, uh, it plays at the title theme. And then after that, you just get the loop of the same four blues brother songs over and over again. So it just you beat plays the at like the, uh, like the game select screen or whatever, like yeah. the file select yeah. screen. Yeah. Essentially it's just hit start. Really. There's nothing else there, but I think, uh, it's so you could pick either Jake or Elwood, one of the two blues brothers. Oh, okay. If you're playing on one player, just like chip and Dale, you can pick chip or Dale, but if you're playing two players, then it's decided that you're one character and player two is the other. Oh, okay. Mm. So it's the same thing. Is it, is it not cooperative? Is it? It is. Oh, it's it is. exactly like, huh. it's exactly like Chippendale. Actually, really? I think it was heavily inspired by it because like same thing. Can Elwood pick up, pick him up above his head and throw him off a cliff? Or? No, actually, no, I think you play one at a time, but the select screen is the same and it's just, you pick one or the other and mm -hmm. then, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but the platforming and everything is, it feels very more inspired by a Capcom platformer than say a Nintendo platformer. Huh. So Who's the developer? Did you mention? Yeah, no, I didn't. But it's uh, developed and published by the same company, and that's Titus, the Titus. Uh, the company that's infamously known for making Superman sixty four. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. They have a reputation already. Yeah. Yeah. Just to go back a step to the Sweet Home Chicago thing, the other reason that that may have not been in the game—that's my favorite song from the movie too. 
But the reason that may not have been in the game is because that the full version of that song is like 12 minutes long. Yeah. Like it, they, they basically just go on a giant solo. Um, like they trade solos for like 12 minutes because yeah, well you haven't seen the movie, so I won't ruin it, but it is Spoilers. in the, there's a reason that the song is so long, but that maybe that's why they didn't it put be, it in. It could be. I know some of these sh- songs are shortened a bit, but you can only shorten a song within a certain amount of reason, right? Like a yeah. song like Sweet Home Chicago, they might have tried and maybe just said, no, it's it's too crazy. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? But, uh, all right. Yeah. I'm Go up. Ahead. Okay. All right. Speaking about how awesome the 80s was, let's. I'm going back to my uh, chronologically first song as well. This game is called The Goonies 2 from that awesome 80s classic, The Goonies. Um, the track is called The Goonies Are Good Enough by Cyndi Lauper. Did this one have anything to do with the Goonies movie? It had everything to do with the Goonies. No, no, actually, here's the weird thing about this game is that it was called the Goonies 2, right? And everyone assumed it was based on a sequel to the movie. Like everyone assumed that there was a sequel to the movie that existed. And they're like, I need to see the the game. Exactly. This was the game adaptation. That's what I would assume. Yeah, but there was no sequel to the movie. This was actually a sequel to another Goonies game in that was only released on the Famicom in Japan. So you had this, this Famicom game, the Goonies, then they make this Goonies two game, which gets released in North America and confuses everybody. But I think part of the confusion was, is that the cover art looked so much like a movie poster that everyone thought that this has to be a movie, right? It was taken from the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It was just taken from the movie. And this game was actually one of the first games that I ever got on the NES. And so I actually bought this when I got this, when the game came out in 1987. So I've been playing this game for a long time and it's, uh, it's really interesting. It's, it's got this just totally weird bonkers kind of plot. So, and I wrote it down directly from the Wikipedia article. The plot of the game involves a hero from the film, Mikey, who is the hero from the actual Goonies movie. Great and hero he, name. Oh yeah. Mikey and Sean Astin, who was, uh, yeah. you know, Sam from, from Lord of the Rings. Oh, Sam. <laughs> and he's in this game, he's rescuing his kidnapped friends from the crooked Fratelli family. So the Fratelli fa- family, also from the Goonies movie. Um, and the, the, what happened is he's rescuing his friends and also he's rescuing a mermaid for no reason at all. There's this mermaid in the game called Annie who the Fratellis have kidnapped for a reason which is never explained. And so you have to save this mermaid. That's more story than you get in most yeah. games. So you don't even need to explain it. It's as a Nintendo. Weird, <laughs> as a weird side note, do you guys know the uh, parody game, A Bobo's Big Adventure? Yeah. No, I've never heard of this. Oh, it's, a Bobo being one of the big, the big bald muscular villain from Double Dragon. Okay. This, uh, this one, these guys made this like fan parody game, A Bobo's Big Adventure, where he basically travels across the gaming world and punches everything to death. But in the game, it has <laughs> so many references. like a Flash game or something? Yeah, kind of okay. like a Flash game. But it has so many references to other games. And Annie the Mermaid from the Goonies 2 is in there. And uh, I guess you guys sort of... Uh, get busy off screen and then you have these little, <laughs> how do you get busy with a mermaid? I, I have no idea, but uh, I, what was it? You can only get busy with a reverse mermaid. Yeah, but the anyway. reverse mermaid. <laughs> yeah. The fish face. Yeah. Well, however it happens, they, he actually has like a mini, like a fish babies? merbobos. They call them merbobos <laughs> that, uh, that help you in the level. Anyway, it's a, it's a nonsense, bizarre point from a nonsense, bizarre point in, in the actual game. And uh, also this quote that I loved from the game I'm going to read out, which is uh, what the player has, like, it was a very hard game. It was really hard and it was really obscure. You know, there was no internet to tell you how to find items or where to go. And, and as a kid, uh, we had to figure all of this out just through trial and error because it wasn't a popular enough game, as far as I know, to get like 
guidebooks or be featured in Nintendo Power or anything like that. But it mm. says, so you had to, what the player has to do in order to obtain certain vital items is sometimes obscure. For example, the candle, an item necessary to finish the game, is obtained when Mikey hits a specific old woman five times in the row for no apparent reason. So it, you Five times in the what? Five times in a row. Oh, in a row. Okay. So you travel through these rooms in the game, and sometimes there's characters. It'd be an old man, an old woman, an Eskimo for no reason at all. And Konami Man, if anyone knows who Konami Man is. I know he, Konami, but... He was a, he was a short-lived Konami superhero that actually appeared in a few games, referenced in, like, Castlevania a few times. Sorry, is this a Konami game, then? Yes, it's oh, a okay, Konami okay. game. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just pulled in, it's a Capcom a, game, and they pulled in Konami. It absolutely is a Konami game, but it had these characters, and there's this old woman who you have to hit, punch, five times <laughs> to get the candle. Oh, man. man it's crazy Japanese oh, yeah, Cryptic as hell. But, but that, I mean, that's funny thing is that game sort of changed my life because it had some really bad English translation, too. Whenever you hit somebody, they would say, ouch, what do you do? So <laughs> I still say that when I like, when somebody like hits me or something like that. So, <laughs> ouch, what do you do? I, oh. It's a game that changed my life. And of course, the music, the music in it was overall awesome. It had some really great stuff because Konami was another you know, another company that had their music team was always on point. Oh yeah. yeah. Konami had great music. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, um, but this was the title track from both, from the movie. So written by Cindy Lauper and this is arranged by Satoi Terashima. And uh, the song is called The Goonies Are Good Enough. And they say, "What? Well, ouch! What do you do?" But if you hit them with the hammer, yeah. which you have, they say, "Please help me." Which is, you know, that's a good translation. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so you say when you get hit with a hammer. Yeah. I don't know if you put the please in, but yeah. Yeah. More screaming. Yeah. <laughs> the game was crazy. It had like jumping shoes with springs. I guess that was in the Goonies movie, so I'll count. This totally sounds like though. It's like it's just like everything that's like North American, and then the Japanese take it. Like it gets somehow distorted and. Yeah, screwed up totally like i said like about a mermaid those, all yeah, of a sudden and a mermaid yeah. and those jumping shoes i mentioned that it springs at the bottom you get them from a fish man at the bottom of the sea so yeah there you again, go it's, so. it's you know 
You have to add some Japanese weirdness if, in. If you punch, what happens is I mentioned Konami Man, who was actually yeah. a Konami mascot. You find him in hidden locations of the game and he refills your energy. Unless you punch him and then he won't help you anymore. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's funny because Captain Commando, I don't know if you're familiar with the game. He's supposed to be the, the Capcom mascot. No. Okay. I wonder if Captain Commando and Konami Man ever fought. They should fight. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to add on Mortal the topic enemies. of uh, the Goonies 2 being the unofficial sequel to the movie Goonies 1 that a lot of people will say that the Ghostbusters video game that came out in 2000, whatever, mm -hmm. the one that came out a couple of years ago, maybe within the last decade. Yeah, the one that had reunited all the yeah, original cast. Yeah, because yeah. it had all the original voice actors doing reprising the roles. And that is the official third movie right yeah, there. Yeah, that's what people I have said. That, I thought that game was terrible, though. I heard it was really good. I, I actually, I have, there's two versions of it, right? Are we talking about the downloadable game? Um, it is downloadable on, you can get it on Steam. But like, it's like, it's a, like it's downloadable on like the PS4. Like it never had a disc release. Is that the one we're talking about? Or are we talking about it, I'm pretty sure it had a disc okay, release. Okay, I'm yeah. probably thinking of a different game then. But this game had uh, two versions because it came out on the Wii as well. There was okay. a Wii version and then there was the one that came out in the Xbox, PS4, and Wait, let me guess. PC. On the Wii one, you use... The waggle the, stick? You use the waggle stick. <laughs> Here's the weird thing is that when the Wii was announced and they first showed the uh, nunchuck controller and yeah. like the pointer and the thing, I'm like, Ghostbusters game. This, there has to be a Ghostbusters game because, yeah. you know, you're shooting with the blaster and then you've got this like little peripheral that's like the trap. You throw the trap. It was made for it. It was yeah. made for it. And it, you know what? The Wii version of Ghostbusters was a really good game. I had a lot of fun with it. And did they do that exactly? They did that exactly. Like I, the plasma. What's it called? The, um, the, the, uh, the particle thrower? No, the, the gun. The photon. Gun. Photon accelerator. Well, yeah, the yeah. thing, the trap is the photon accelerator. And then they, they called a particle thrower is the name of the thing. Proton pack. Proton yeah, pack. Proton, proton pack, pack yeah. is the pack, and the yeah. I know my Ghostbusters. I don't. I don't. Yeah. So I'm, that's why I'm deferring. And to the you. particle thrower is the actual wand. It's okay. the wand that they used. And to, is that how with. they did it in the Wii? In the yes. In the game? They. I wasn't entirely happy with the uh, mechanics because you, what you had to do is you had to weaken a ghost. You had to like shoot him, then you had to like slam him against the walls and the roof in order to weaken him before <laughs> you could throw out the trap. Yeah. And I wish they hadn't had that slamming mechanic. It should have been more like a fishing mechanic, more like Luigi's Mansion or something like yeah. that. Where I was going to say Luigi's Mansion and nailed pull. it. Oh yeah, Luigi's Mansion did nail it, where they, like, the ghost is like trying to get away, resisting, and you kind of have to like do this fishing mechanic where you have to like pull in the right direction in order to get him. That's what they should have done. Yeah. And, but even though the mechanic wasn't perfect for it, I still really enjoyed the game. And it was a co-op multiplayer as well. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I, I more recently bought the other version of the game. The stories are the same, but the design, character designs, are totally different. Like, mm. while the PC, PS4, I mean, PS3 version is all, uh, like, realistic, they went as real as they possibly could. The yep. Wii version is, like, super stylized and cartoony. That's kind of better though, for well, at least for the Wii. It I think it would hold up better. Yeah, yeah. in the future. Yeah, yeah. It, it tends to. Everything that's like cell shaded and stuff still looks great. Especially with a new movie coming out, people are going to want to see the real movie and go back and play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, you know, there's always rumors of. Speaking of Goonies again, there's always rumors of there being another Goonies movie down the pipe. They've been talking about it's coming for years. It will get it eventually. Absolutely, like, will oh, get yeah. rebooted at some point because nostalgia is a huge. Well, capitalizing it's, it's, yeah. it's like uh, someone else I always listen to says like everything old is new again. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you loved as a kid. It's going to come back. It's going to, and then it will either come back and you will love it or it will come back and it, they will ruin it for you. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Goonies has also been on my mind a lot lately because I've been playing a lot of Uncharted 4 and it's very pirate heavy. And, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and like the traps and stuff like that. They, they've clearly, they were inspired by Goonies. Are there mermaids in the new Uncharted game? Spoilers. <gasps> Sorry. 
All right, I guess uh, it's back to me for my second pick. And I am not going chronologically just because I felt like I would mix it up this time. So um, for my next pick, I am going with the game Spy Hunter. And the game Spy Hunter only has one song. Well, other than the game over music, but it really only has one song. And that one song is the, once again, Peter Gunn theme, just like in uh, Blues Brothers. So um, developed by Bally Midway, published by Bally Midway. We're talking about the arcade version of the game. Yeah. It was ported to just basically everything. But the arcade version was the best because the one that had the wheel. Yes, yeah. the wheel. And it had um, two speeds. And a, and a pedal. And a pedal. Yeah. yeah. So that's what made the arcade version the best. Yes. So um, so it uh, basically it was referencing the Bond films. And it was supposed to have a James Bond license. And it was supposed to have the James Bond music. But like we were talking about before, licensing problems with licensing. Um, they had it and right at the last minute, they couldn't get the bond license. Like they, they, they kind of built it all assuming that they were going to get the bond license. And then when they went for it, they basically got denied. Um, the, the two game designers were, uh, George Gomez and Tom Leon who worked on Tron together. And then they went and did, um, spy hunter. Um, and actually, uh, George Gomez um, developed the game and like sketched the game out while he was listening to the uh, James Bond soundtracks. That's like <laughs> it, he was kind of he had the inspiration going while he was drunk. Um, my personal memory for this game um, was it was one of the first games I ever played on a PC. So it was the first PC we ever had, uh, the first internet connection we got, which was dial-up, and. Um, when you had dial-up back in the day, for anyone who's listening who's younger, um, your parents wouldn't let you sit on the internet very long because you paid per minute. So, and you were tying up the phone line too. And yeah, you were that's yes, that's true. That was the other thing. You were tying up the phone line. So unless you were one of those households that had two phone lines, which a couple of my friends did. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you bastards. Like they were so lucky, right? But they had two phone lines. But So we only had one phone line. So you would tie up that phone line. And you paid per minute. So my parents would like really like if I was on the if I was on the uh, internet and they picked up the phone and be like, how long have you been on that internet? They picked up the phone. They've ruined whatever you were doing anyway. And that too, they instantly kill it. But so what I had to do was I had to find a way to play games because one of the first things I did was there must be games on this internet somewhere. So I need (laughs) to go find them. Call internet. This thing they call this thing that Al Gore invented. Uh, I have to go find me some games. And so what I found was a thing called the shock machine. Now, this is something that like really isn't, it's really hard to find anything on the internet that references this anymore. Well, Macromedia Shockwave was a big deal back in the day. Yeah, so it was the Shockwave player yeah. that they um, modified to play, specifically to play arcade games and to play arcade games offline. So you could actually pull the files down and it was all free. And I remember thinking back in the day, like, this might not be legal. Like I was a kid and I was a little more... Scared, but it I was actually all legal. And it was all legal. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. all. It was all totally legal. It was just something that they put out there to try and promote the Shockwave player. Yeah, you so, could play Joust. You could play Spy Hunter. You could play Frogger. Like there yeah. was a ton of great stuff there. So this was one of the first arcade emulators that came out after the internet. Evolved. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, it was. Yeah, it was probably one of the. I don't know if it was one of the first emulators per se. Like there may have been others out but there. It was but, big when the internet came out. Yeah, when like in the early days of the internet, when people had shit connections. Yeah. Um. You could pull down the games relatively fast. They weren't very big in file size and you could save them all off online and then you could you could just switch between all the games. And so um, Spy Hunter was one of the games I pulled and I played the hell out of this game when <laughs> I was a kid, right? Like I played Centipede. I like Centipede, but Joust didn't really grab me. Some, you know, the other ones didn't really grab me, but Spy Hunter, I was like, this game rocks and this <laughs> song is so good. I, and I, I didn't know what the song was. Yeah. 
Oh, I just have a, I just have a weird sort of a point about yeah. a weird fact about Peter yeah. Gunn. The song is that in the most uh, like well-known and popular recording of the song from way, way back when the song was like first sort of made popular, mm-hmm. um, the bass line in the song is act on the recording is played by the composer, John Williams, who, uh, of course, composed music for Star Wars and, <laughs> and Harry Potter and Indiana Jones. You heard any of those movies? Uh, Superman? Vaguely you know? familiar with some of them. Yeah. I, I don't know. He's, he's, he's pretty obscure. You probably haven't heard of him. He's, no. You know. Don't know. Not really a big deal. Okay. But uh, anyway. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> really? So he played the bass line? Yeah, he's, like he, he was actually. Mancini yeah. called him up and said, he can was, you play? Basically, a pretty prominent like jazz musician as well, right? Okay. So uh, he he he's the actual bass. Like he's got the big stand up bass on. That's the awesome. Original did, recording. So he's the guy. I didn't know that. Well, how long ago did the Peter Gunn theme song come out? Because he this was probably before John Williams really became popular, right? Or yeah, I mean, this would have been before he really, you know, before yeah, he exactly, took off. Before yeah. he was a you know household name, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah. Well, the game came out in 1983. I'm not sure when the movie or the was it a movie, the Peter Gunn theme, or was it I a think show? it was a TV series. Yeah. Okay. TV um, series. But, and I actually couldn't find who arranged it for the arcade. Like, the only the only credit I could find for the song was Henry Mancini himself, mm. who wrote, of course, the original theme. So, but anyway, here is the uh, Spy Hunter Peter Gunn theme. Listen to it for hours. Have a listen. <laughs> Thank you. 
crescendoing in the song. It was almost like passing traffic. That Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was maybe done intentionally just yeah, to, to feel like the sound of the cars like blowing by you or whatever. Which is funny. Or you blowing by the cars, I guess. It does sound like a horn. It like, sounds very much like yeah, a horn, like, yeah. But it was kind of cool because, you know, there weren't the a lot of games that uh, there weren't a lot of games that did things like crescendos or dealt with dynamics Except in music. For every right? single game that uses the Peter Gunn theme and there's <laughs> yeah. actually quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wonder if it wasn't um, maybe something difficult to do back in the day. Like this, this was obviously, you know, whenever we bring up arcade cabinets, they always had better audio because they just had more room, yeah. right? They could fit more chips in. They could, they had kind of, the space was only limited by how much they wanted the arcade to cost. Yeah. So, but to on build. A, yeah, on a limited sound chip, I think like you can actually change the pitch and the tone and stuff like that. Yeah. You can't change the volume. Like yeah. it's like the volume was not something kind of they had. Almost, yeah, yeah. Not something they had a lot of control over, like not in a dynamic way. No. It's like you could pull things back on a certain channel, but you couldn't have something like go up and down, slide up and down in that sort of like musically dynamic way. Yeah. No, I just, I don't know this game. And when you listen to the, um, when you listen to the ports, the Peter Gunn theme on the ports of this game, they're all terrible. Like, because this <laughs> game, because it was such a uh, early game, like 83 was quite quite an early game. Um, the ports go all the way back to stuff like the, uh, what was the, oh man, I lost the it. ZX Commodore, Spectrum. Like the Commodore 64 and stuff like that. And, yeah. And like the sound on that thing was trash. So <laughs> the, uh, I would recommend the Blues Brothers version to fans of this theme song yeah. and 
rock and roll racing has a version as well. And throughout my searches of the Peter Gunn theme, because it was teetering on my list as well, but there's a boss theme level in Mega Man X, I want to say two or three, where one of the uh, the Sigma stages, they do a ripoff inspired <laughs> Peter Gunn theme level where you're listening to it. And if if nobody told you it was the Peter Gunn theme, only a hardcore you know, Peter Gunn theme song fan would pick it out. But if I told you and you listened to it, you'd be like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. Peter Gunn theme. It must've been a really easy song to get the license rights for, you know, it, I, maybe they've just figured we'll make as much money as we can off the song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because yeah, it seems to be like it, in everything. Yeah. And it's weird. Like how it's had, it's, it's big life has almost been games. Games are keeping it alive essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause who, has anyone ever seen the show Peter Gunn? No, no, I haven't. You know what it's about? You know who's in it? No. I, no. I know it is I like... I know the theme song. <laughs> I think it is sort of still like a spy-inspired James Bond-ish sort well, of thing. That's the thing. Everybody recognizes the tune. They can't tell you where it came from, but it inspires a certain feeling. And when you hear it, it's an easy way out for a lot of you know composers to say, well, um, just make it Peter Gunn theme-esque, and there you go. Yeah. I actually... Um, my story on that is that I didn't actually know... It was from anything else. I, for for up to just a couple of years ago, knew it as the Spy Hunter theme. Yeah. That's what this is. This is the the music for the Spy Hunter theme. And um, I played it for a friend of mine, and he's like, that's the Peter Gunn theme, and that is a horrific version. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, that song is awesome, and this like 8-bit bleep and bloop version is terrible. And I was like, you're wrong. It's the best version. <laughs> We're doing a whole podcast dedicated to how awesome 8-bit renditions yeah, exactly. and 16-bit renditions of music is. That's why he's yeah. not on this. Some would, say, <laughs> some would say this is a better version than the original. I would. Out. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of difficulty in artistry in, in taking those limitations and translating a song that has complex instrumentation, right? And actually yeah. making it recognizable and interesting and good. And like, you know, a lot of times you don't have enough channels to do all those instruments that are, but somehow these arrangers and composers have like compressed it down and sort of whittled away to the like basic core and have come up with something that's really awesome. That's a great point to bring up for this episode because of all of our songs are based off of existing music or um, composed by, you know, actual musicians. And and by that, I just mean people outside of the video yeah. game industry. Yeah. Not to put and down, you know, yeah, video because game composers. But <laughs> exactly. That's, and that's exactly my point um, that it's music that exists outside of limitations mm -hmm. and you're bringing it into a world where you have to compose it with with limitations and some of these songs are fantastic yeah mm. it's um and those limitations are even greater on the people who had to do it for things like the nes right like where you had such a limited sound chip like you had mono mm. like you didn't have stereo you had very really very few sounds you, you could like make with four it. channels and you had like certain waves that you could produce sounds yeah with, so, so to to take you know to go back to chippendale or something like that like that is no question the Chippendale theme song. Everyone knows it. And uh, you did it on this tiny little, you know, this tiny little chip with four, four channels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, on the discussion of limitations, I'm going to change the order of my songs and I'm going to go into... I inspired you to mix it up. Yeah. 
my next pick is the theme to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's Morphin time. <laughs> the reason why I want to talk about limitations is because there's many different versions of Power Ranger games, especially the Mighty Morphin series, because I think that's the most prominent one everybody remembers. Uh, going from Super Nintendo, Genesis, Game Gear, Game Boy, it it spans across all the different consoles of the time. There's many games. I think on my Super Nintendo, I have the TV series, the movie game, the fighting game. I think there's might be a racing game in there somewhere. There's <laughs> there's one based off Zio. There's a whole pile of Power Ranger games. So, but this is like the Aaron Waters version that has the most like bitching guitar solo of all time. The one that I picked, <laughs> yeah. yes. I just wanted to touch base on all the other versions because not only that, in 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 the first game based off the TV series, there's the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme on the title screen. But when you get to the final battle and you're in Zord mode and you're fighting the last boss, they do a different rendition of the title theme, and it is so awesome. <laughs> but every game has the title theme. It's so iconic. You can't play a Power Rangers game without that theme, or it's instantly a bad game. So let me ask you a question, because um, my friend has one of these, and it's the the only song in the game is the title theme, and it just loops. What so which one's that? Uh, SNES. I, I think would, it's just called Mighty. I yeah, think it's yeah, just it's called Mighty Morphin the TV series one. Yeah. So, so I wanted to touch base on that theme. It's not my pick, but I just because we're talking about limitations, this would have made, in my opinion, the best Power Rangers theme of all time for a video game. The Super Nintendo version of the TV series original Super Nintendo game has the theme song with lyrics. It's the only version out of everything across all platforms and all versions that actually has the lyrics. Is it just like the Go Go Power Rangers part or is it close? Yeah. They butchered it. And <laughs> I know it has to be because of how much uh, memory it takes to store uh, like audio voices, all that sort of stuff. Voice samples. <laughs> Voice yeah. samples. I, I hear it takes a lot of uh, uh, like size on, on the ROM. So anyways, I would have, it would have made my pick except the lyrics go, go, go power ranger. And then stops. And stops. <laughs> they cut off the S. Yeah. And then <laughs> only one power ranger can go. <laughs> only one. So it, it goes from being the best to instantly being the worst <laughs> because awesome. they couldn't include that's so funny. so because of that i move over to mighty morphin power rangers the movie again on super nintendo and they don't have lyrics but unlike all the other versions this not only has the intro and chorus which seems to be what all the other versions have this version includes the verses and the outro so we're going to take a listen to 1995's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme song on Super Nintendo. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Thank you. 
because I listened like I've actually played almost all the Power Ranger games and I found it impressive that the first Power Rangers game based off of the TV series had the theme song. And when you get to the final level, they almost do like a, oh yeah, you like the theme song? Well, for the final battle, we're going to play you the theme song on steroids. And it's like, <laughs> and, and you play the whole, I didn't even mention the fact that the whole entire game is a side scroller beat em up. But in the original TV series game, when you get to the final boss, you call your Zords and it changes themes. It's no longer a side scroller beat em up. It becomes a fighting game. You have life bars and you really? fight the final oh, that's boss. awesome. It's a giant monster. You're fighting in the city it's godzilla style you're in your sword and you're just like and you, and you i feel like you might even have secret moves because that was what inspired the next upcoming power rangers fighting game yeah where it didn't have the power rangers it had the zords and the monsters that's so, so awesome. you have that final battle you get a new theme song which clearly isn't as good as the movie version but you, it turns into a whole new genre video game. And that hmm. was cool. That blew my mind as a kid. That is pretty cool. It's pretty rare for a game to flip the script like that. Big time. Yeah. But yet it happens on one of the games on my list. It's funny you mentioned that story about like just memory limitations and voice samples, because it was like, we were talking about like Virgin Interactive and like the, uh, the like uh, Capcom developed Disney games. Yeah. And so um, Lion King was a game that I had that had voice samples in it, a sample yep. right from the movie. And there's this point where, uh, um, where Mufasa talks to you from the, uh, you, you get through the thing and Mufasa says to you something like he says, uh, you must take your place in the circle of life or something along those lines. He just has that one clip. And then at the very end of the game, they reuse that clip again and in the context of what happens there, it doesn't make any sense. Because in the movie, it's just like, you hear Mufasa's voice say, remember, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And couldn't they have spared like a little tiny bit of memory to put remember in there instead of saying, you must take your place in the circle of life, which you've already done. So it didn't make any sense that they reused the voice clip there. Yeah. Was this at the end of the game? When at the very end. You beat the game, and then, like, this is your this big is the prolific big moment. And it's like, the thing. You're, you're ready to shed a tear, and then he says that stupid line, yeah. and you're like, eh. And it just doesn't make any sense in the context of the game, so it was it was too bad, because the voice sampling on that game actually sounded really good. So they couldn't know, spare, like, the I know they cram-jam those games full, though, oh, in, yeah. terms of, like, in terms of, like, using every inch of space. Like, mm. they're, they're one of the greatest examples of pushing a system to its max. So they, well, they probably wanted to. I bet everybody at that studio, especially all the Disney people were fighting for it, but they were like, we can't. We they, just, they this probably, game ships tomorrow and we can't do it. They probably could have <laughs> taken out the Pumbaa line, I ate like a pig and nobody would have missed it. So it's a yeah. good line. I, love it. <laughs> I would have missed it. Uh, is that you next? Is it? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. it is me next. All right. So uh, back to me. Um, speaking of the unknown composer John Williams who composed for a few movies here and there I actually have a song that was done by him on my list no way yeah how about that so the game is called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom might have seen it might have seen it might have and uh, the song the track is called Parade of the Slave Children which is an actual track from the soundtrack and all of the music in the game were was arranged versions of the John Williams soundtrack and pretty pretty well done too um, the, so this, the year of this game was 1988 and, uh, this, hey, the year I was born. Wow. How about that? 
So a lot of good things happened that year. <laughs> Some of the best. And Mike was also born. That's like a side oh. note on here and I crossed it out because it wasn't important. <laughs> so, oh my God. So the harshness. Here's some ice. So yeah, the game right. itself was, um, it was sort of like an isometric perspective, uh, semi top down thing where you run through the mines and you save um, slave, ch- you save these slave children and you beat up thuggy guards and you fight Molaram and it followed the plot of the movie pretty well. You got to ride in mine carts and like, it was, it was really well done. I think, was, I think, um, the mine cart scene in that movie inspired every single mine cart action scene in every video oh, game. Well, hell yeah. That was including yeah. Donkey, including Kong? Donkey Kong, especially Donkey Kong. They actually, it's funny cause the mine cart scene in that, uh, in that, in the movie, they actually went to Disneyland and they, with a like a recorder and they recorded the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad roller coaster. And so the sounds that you hear in the movie of the minecart going are the sounds of Big Thunder Mountain roller coaster from Disneyland. I'm not surprised that you know that. Of course I yeah. know that. You didn't even research <laughs> yeah, that. You're no, just... that's not on my list. But, <laughs> but okay, so the, back to the uh, game. It was, uh, it's based on an earlier arcade game. And that's uh, a weird thing about my list in general is that The Goonies was actually based on an arcade game. And my last track, which I'll talk about later, is also based on an arcade game. So everything I've picked also had an arcade version. But the, uh, this game was actually released on the NES console by a company called Tengen. And they have a bit of an unusual history. I don't know if people know Tengen, but they, they uh, didn't like Nintendo's draconian policy of the lockout chip. They had the, uh, a lockout chip that, and a game would have like the key or, and they'd have to speak to each other. So when you put the cartridge in, if it didn't have that chip, they, it wouldn't actually play the game. It would just reset endlessly because it, it couldn't, it couldn't do that. And that way Nintendo could control the distribution of the cartridges. Well, and it was, everybody had to pay a licensing fee too. It was that. And it was also that Nintendo would only allow uh, companies to make X number of games per year. Yeah. And there was a lot of reasons to it. Even Yamauchi said that uh, the reason he was doing it is because Atari failed because of all the shovelware. Yes. And so they said, we need quality control. So only games that we approve can yeah. be on the which system. Which is the seal is, of approval. Yes. Which yeah. is a seal of quality. And the interesting thing about Temple of Doom is it didn't have that seal of approval. And it's an interesting story because what Tengen did is they did this sort of like shady, the shady thing of they went to the patent office for some sort of lawsuit and they used this. I can't remember exactly what the lawsuit was, but they used it as an excuse to gain access to the records in the patent office of Nintendo's chip. And they used the information that they had obtained from the patent office to make their own version of the chip called the rabbit. So they were able to circumvent the security of the Nintendo games and start producing their own cartridges. And you'll notice 10 gen games because they don't have the seal of quality and the cartridges are generally black. Yeah. So, and shaped a little differently. Shaped a little differently. So, yeah. I mean, the version of Temple of Doom I have is the black cartridge. And Nintendo lost their mind when oh, totally. did that. Yeah. And, and Nintendo sued them and won, obviously. Yeah. And, with Temple of Doom, there are actually two versions that exist because later on, an official version was released by, by Mindscape. And a um, fact I found out about Tengen that I didn't know before is Tengen was actually Atari, but it was the Atari subsidiary that yeah. made Nintendo games, There was right? one other company that did that, and I can't remember. They did it legally, but they, they had a secondary studio. Konami and Ultra Games. Is that what it was? Yeah, Konami so they created more games. They created Ultra Games yeah. to create more games, That's essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but was, they paid. Atari, I think, was a little different because there weren't really Nintendo games released under the Atari label. Atari had a bad stigma at the time. Remember, Atari kill, collapsed the industry. Not so, too long ago. Not yeah. too long yeah. ago, yeah. which was the whole point to the lockout chip. So, yeah. you know, hence the, there's a lot of this animosity with Tengen and all that, which is 
it's it's actually like really fascinating behind the scenes spy hunter esque kind of I love you know, that. espionage stuff, which is hilarious. So they actually did eventually do the uh, do a licensed version of this game. So uh, uh, also one more point on that uh, thing is that there are current NES cartridge producers that do it now because the patent expired on uh, the chip not the that long ago chip. on yeah. the lockout not that long ago. So people actually do. Um, there's a cartridge producer called Retrozone that does a, I don't know if anyone knows Retrozone or Retro USB and they do a lot I've of like, bought, I've already bought games from yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. They do like the uh, fan sort of made games, turn them into cartridges. They also do like a, a flat compact flash and Nintendo cartridge that you can use in your thing. And their, their version of the lockout chip is actually based on 10 gens. They reverse engineered 10 gens rabbit chip to make theirs. So it's this weird, like, Circle of crazy security and piracy yeah, and that's nonsense. super cool. There's it, so many weird things that that, yeah. but it's really interesting how well a job Nintendo did with that because a lot of companies tried to reverse engineer and couldn't, and that's why Tengen had to do the patent, the patent office, office thing, shady yeah. thing because like no one figured it out until the patent was released. Like yeah. it was, it was really ingenious. Um, okay. At the time, like the, the engineers at Nintendo at the time were geniuses. Oh, yeah, totally. There's uh, and there's like several fascinating books on the subject. I read a really great one called Game Over, and it's the history of Nintendo all the way back from like their origins over 100 years ago. And I highly recommend that book. It's, it's just full of like fascinating stories about like Tengen and Sega and like Tetris and and things like that. Like there's some really cool behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. If just, you're a fan. There's one more called Console Wars, which mm -hmm. I read, which is Console Wars is specifically... Um, it's told kind of from Sega's point of view when Sega was trying to, with the Genesis, kind of basically make a name because Nintendo owned the market. So Sega was trying to make a name. And Sega actually had a similar thing with uh, uh, Electronic Arts where they reversed the chip. But anyway, read both <laughs> those books. They're both fantastic yeah. books. And they, the insight that good, you get from them. compliment to each other. Yeah. The insight that you get from um, those two books and all that stuff that happened at the time was completely fascinating. So I wonder if, I wonder if the amount of games that Tengen put out for Nintendo has anything to do with the fact that they figured that out. Because if you look at all the other bootleg, um, non, uh, official NES games that came out, like a lot of companies put out like a couple, maybe mm. one or two, but Tengen had a pile. Oh of yeah, games. totally. They had yeah. like Pac-Man and they had Tubin and they had Tetris. Like Tetris. Yeah. Oh yeah. They had every, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, because at the time Nintendo was seen as like just a, a bear to develop for because it was like they would send back the game five, six, seven times. Nope. Change it, change it, change it, change it. And people like all these developers were like, this is brutal. Like it was so hard. And then, but Nintendo was unwavering. They were like, no, you guys killed it the first time you tried yeah. we're fixing it and the thing is they nintendo saved the industry that's, well that's how that's they saw the themselves as right yeah. they saw themselves as the saviors mm -hmm. nintendo was ruling the video game world so if you wanted to make a game you had to listen to nintendo in those days mm -hmm. yeah they had, they had control over the distribution over the shelf space and stores like nintendo ruled the roost for sure and absolutely you know, and <laughs> all that said all this weird like huge high level espionage and nonsense that's going on behind the scenes all the way back down to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom for the NES, this was actually considered a pretty terrible game. Like, yeah. Like, not very well received. Nobody really liked it. I liked it because I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan, and, like, the music was awesome, and for very little other reasons than that. But uh, this was a game that I used to rent all the time, and when my uh, local video rental store went out of business, I bought their copy of the game. So the copy that I own is the rental copy that I played as a 
as a kid. And I was just lucky enough to to get it. Does it have the sticker on it still? Uh, It's got remnants of the sticker. It's mostly Uh, peeled off, but you know, it's got a funny case. Like, I don't know if you remember rental shops doing this, but they get those hard shell closure things and they would like cut up the actual box of the game and they would like slip it inside. So it had, so I've got this (laughs) weird, some sort of cover, this weird kind of mess of a, of a thing. Uh, and the final, my final note on that, uh, uh, oh wait, actually there's a note here that just says reviewers generally pan the game with a faithful adaptation of John Williams musical score only with one of the only redeeming qualities. So people pointed out the music as being one of the great things about this game. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I've never played the game. Oh yeah. So maybe that says something. I love the game. It's hard as hell because you have to go through like 12 stages. There's 12 waves in it. And you have to go through and save slave children and collect these pieces of a map. And there's warp zones. So you can skip like all the way to the last level. But if you don't collect like these special items from certain waves, there's like a key that can unlock any door. If you don't get all the map pieces, like once you're finished wave nine, where you get the Sankara stones, um, it shows you a map of level 10 and where the real exit of level 10 is. But if you don't collect the map pieces, you can't see anything there because how much you've collected is how much of the map you actually see. And you have the Sankara stones. But if you die in level 10, you lose the Sankara stones and you have to go and collect them all before you can go to the hidden exit again. This game is ridiculously hard because when you get to level 10, it's hell. Like it's impossible from that point. Um, One thing that's sort of funny is that it generally, like I mentioned earlier, it follows the plot of the movie. But in level nine, where you actually collect the, the Sankara stones, you have to, you start on this one side of this almost shoreline and there's this huge lava river. And then on the other side is an island that has this statue of Kali and this Sankara stones on it. And in order to cross the river, you have to kill lava monsters and build a bridge out of their corpses to cross (laughs) the river and get to the stones, which is hilarious because you have to, you better have like saved enough swords and guns from your adventure before that because that was the only way to kill the lava monsters. And if you ran out, Again, you're stuck. You can't beat the game. You're you done. Run out of swords. So just, if you run out of swords, all, all <laughs> swords in the game are single use swords. You swing so. the sword, it's gone. Yeah, really. Pull out yeah. a new sword. Oh yeah, because you, you collect you collect bombs, you collect swords, and you collect guns as okay. your sort of item power ups. And uh, they were the only way to kill the lava monsters, and they were limited. So that's brutal. Oh man, that game. So this is one of those games that was bad for the wrong reason, or hard. Sorry, hard for the wrong reasons. It, was, it, it was, wasn't hard because it was challenging. And you had to learn and get better and play. It was hard because of shitty game yes, design. It was exactly shitty game design, but I still love the game and I still go back and play it like all the time today. It's, and you it's, still love the music. I still love the music. And so there, so you there you go. So the music is Parade of the Slave Children from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom.
collect John Williams soundtracks and this is one of uh, my favorite in my collection. Like just on CD or just, just on CD. Yeah. And a uh, weird thing about this soundtrack is that um, I bought it. You couldn't get it generally. It was hard to find. It was really, really rare and it was only available as a Japanese import. And when I bought it, I bought it at HMV in Edmonton and it cost me 60 bucks Woo. Yeah, for this soundtrack. And it was the most expensive album that I've, I think maybe I've ever bought. Yeah, like I can see that for like a, a special edition version of something or like a special yeah. edition vinyl. And this wasn't a special edition. It was just, it was, you could only get the Japanese version because there was no North American version at the time. I mean, since then they've come up with Indiana Jones, the soundtracks collection and various other re-releases. But at the time it was all you could get. That's so weird. Yeah. That's so weird. Like, what, how about the other movies? Like, could you get them for the oh, other yeah. films? Oh, yeah. Like, there was, I mean, at the time, there was a Raiders of the Lost Ark re-release that I had. So, yeah. when it wasn't the original. It was a re-release special edition. And Last Crusade was fairly easy to get, but it was also a really bare-bones edition that I don't even think had every song on it. It was like this, yeah, like, it was so weird and Did piecemeal. People, I don't know. I guess people don't hold it in the same regard as some, some of the other John Williams soundtracks. I like, don't know. Like, the Indiana Jones series was... The, movie, the movies yeah. were huge, yeah. are hugely loved, no question. But, um, like, I guess, like, people don't hold it at the same level as they hold, like, Star Wars music yeah. or something like that. And so maybe, maybe that's the only reason I can think of why it would be so difficult to get a hold <laughs> of. Like, the fact that you would have to import, like, a Japanese version of it yeah. is insane. Yeah, and it was, it was really weird at the time. And, I mean, uh, since then, like I said, there's been, like, re-releases. And I have, the, I have the complete soundtracks collection now, which has every piece of music ever yeah. in it. But, uh, it, it, you know, like... That is, that album was the most expensive I ever bought, but two of the three most expensive albums I ever bought were John Williams albums. So what are the other ones? The number one was Temple of Doom for 80 bucks. I bought Chrono <laughs> Trigger. Did I say 60 before? I, you said 60. Was it 80? I think it may have been 80. 80 Jesus. Bucks. And then Chrono Trigger, I bought the Chrono Trigger import for 60 bucks. Yeah. And I That's, bought game music. I can see because yeah. game music is weird, right? And like sometimes, these, yeah. And I'm not talking about special editions either. These are like straight, these, up, albums, straight yeah. up basic album. And the uh, third one was Superman for uh, was John Williams Superman, which was forty bucks. So when wow. you say buying these albums, what format are you talking about? CD on CD. CD I'm okay. buying the CD, and cool. you know this was this was back in the day. I have I have a big John Williams collection on CD. CD makes sense, but. Um, like vinyl is making a big comeback and that seems to be yeah. the trend for what you buy, you know, video yeah. game soundtracks on now. So yeah. But this was, this was back in the day yeah. when I was like, I was very like John Williams was basically inspired like me to get into music. Like I, I play the trumpet and you know, that the whole reason that I got into like classical music and like concert and orchestral music was because of John Williams. So I had to, you know, I collected a lot of his albums over the years and uh, some of those were really hard, hard to obtain. So. And he did the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. He did the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny about in the early days of like, uh, like LimeWire and uh, like Napster and stuff like that, you know, you download music, every single movie theme didn't matter what it was or who composed it was credited to John Williams. Yes. Yeah. 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 That yeah. is, I do remember that. Yeah. It didn't matter what it was. Any movie 
any soundtrack, everything was John Williams yeah. because it's the only, it's the, back in the day, it was the only movie composer that anybody knew yeah, about. Exactly. So, oh, it's, it's an orchestral movie soundtrack, John Williams. I feel like as I've gotten older, that's changed. I don't know if that's just changed for me or if people are just more aware now of, of the composers. I think people are more aware now. I, yeah. I think, you know, back in the early days, like crediting that sort of music. It wasn't, it wasn't as easy to find that information in a yeah. day where we live, where like all the information in the world is at our fingertips, you know, making those kind of mistakes is a lot less common. Yeah. But I, yeah, no, that's true. I can't help but think about Napster and uh, LimeWire and the first result you always get is something, something goofy like Britney Spears dot EXE. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then after that is what you actually were searching for. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay. I guess it's to me for my last pick. And uh, my last pick, we've uh, we've already mentioned uh, Virgin Games and Disney Games, and my last pick is uh, Disney's Aladdin, and the track is Prince Ali or the Agrabah Market. For which system you picked the better version yeah. on Sega Genesis. Super Genesis? Yeah, it's Sega Genesis yeah, version. That's <laughs> uh, just something a fanboy would say. I love Nintendo too, but the Genesis was clearly superior. Yeah, the game was hugely superior, and I think the music too. There is um, some debate online as to which of the two games had the better music, but for me, it's Genesis. It all might the come way. down to preference on which sound chip you prefer, because a lot of a lot of games had similar soundtracks, and it's like Genesis had a really like heavy metal, you know, rock and sound mm-hmm. chip, and Super Nintendo had more of the orchestral sounding sound chip. But, but these two games are also different development teams, right? So they, they were, were totally different. Quite different. Who did Genesis? It was Virgin Interactive. Oh, yes. And yeah, Capcom Virgin, did Virgin Super Games Nintendo. Virgin USA. Yeah. Well, and we all know how Capcom and Disney work together, so clearly the Super Nintendo version <laughs> has to be better. Oh, but Virgin Virgin US, they actually got like Disney animators to do all this. Yeah, like, so I, custom, I, ha- oh, I, I, I don't want to take all that away. We'll give that back to Mike. Stop doing my thunder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so published by Sega uh, for the Genesis, uh, 93. Um, and then the uh, music composed, was composed by Tommy Tallarico of Video Games Live fame. Yes. And Earthworm Jim fame. And Earthworm Jim fame. And a guy named Donald S. Griffin. Another another Tommy Tallarico, Earthworm Jim, better on the Sega because he composed it. Yeah, for the Sega, not for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, so uh, one of Genesis' best licensed titles and a major win for Sega t- at the time. And this is something I know because of that Console Wars book to go back to that. Um, yeah, like that was one of the things where... Uh, the guy who was running Sega at the time was, you know, he was always looking for an edge over Nintendo. And he was like, what, what if we could get a licensed game from Disney, but we could have Disney make it like, what if Disney could animate it? And so, uh, it was hand animated by the Disney animators and then digitized by the version dev team. Um, and they've invented this new technology to turn hand drawn in animation into um, they had, I think they called Digis it Digicel yeah. is what they called it at the time. But in, and people, people ended up thinking that it, that it was like a, a computer or a system they had developed, but Digicel was just the code name that they used to describe the process that they went through. So basically they would hand animate all the, all the like sprite animations and then they would import them and then they would figure out like how, how few animations they could use, right. In order to save space for each motion. And, um, Anyone who's played this game um, knows that it kind of almost looks like the movie, oh, like the so way fluid. the way he jumps. Yeah, yeah, it's super fluid, especially for something from that era, because things were kind of 
you know, jolty and yeah. didn't packed re- with personality and in jokes and all sorts of great stuff. So yeah. I have to ask because I've played both games. Have you guys played both games? Yes. Have you played through the whole Super Nintendo game? <laughs> we because I know they're not different. They're they are different games. A bunch of friends and I got together one night and we basically said because we've had this big Aladdin war before and we said we're yes. going to play two games tonight. We're going to play the Super Nintendo right. version and we're going to play the Genesis All version right. and we're going to okay. get as far as we possibly can through both. And you know, okay, it, I Fair have. Enough. I have. Yeah, there you go. I've got the experience. <laughs> I I can't claim that. I I only played the Super Nintendo one like at a friend's house one time, and yeah. I was just like. You got to play the Genesis version of this yeah. game, <laughs> but uh, I should I should play the the SNES one because my memory of it is almost non-existent. But um, but I picked the Genesis one because it's my favorite. But, um, <laughs> so Tommy uh, Tommy did an interview with this um, Sega website a little uh, a little while ago talking about his process for the music because one of the things that people said about this game was like the music is what elevated it from a good game to a great game, and um, so Donald. Would uh, he would send Donald the tracks that he wanted uh, from the movie, and he would arrange them into a MIDI file, and then uh, Tommy went through and uh, like designed each note sound for the entire MIDI arrangement. So like piece by piece. So he, he said it was like it was excruciating. He's making custom instruments is what he's doing. Yeah, he was like, what did he say? He said like he he would design the sound, the timber, the duration, and the and the um, amplitude, so the volume for every single MIDI note in the track. Like it's a pe- lot of work. Yeah. So, and yeah. he did that for every track. So that's why it was such a, it was such a push. And he said like they were pushing, he was, and he was using like, because he was doing it so custom that way, he was able to push the sound chip right to the edge. Like he said, we were using every single piece of that sound chip. There the sound was chip no was head shaking room. when he yeah. was done with <laughs> that it. That sound chip was smoking. <laughs> it was glowing with magic. Because yeah, exactly. That game was exactly. so great. Yeah. It was about to let the smoke out, but yeah, it was just crazy. So, um, I love this game. I love this music. Uh, and I love this track. So here's the Prince Ali Agrabah market track from Disney's Aladdin.
That's interesting, though. Did Disney cooperate on that same level with any other games of that era? Um, Lion King. Lion King. Lion King, the other one he mentioned. And then shortly after that is when they opened up their own video game development studio. Disney Interactive? Or? Yeah. No, they did for this. It was this is when it, it was a it was a partnership between Disney Interactive and Virgin Games USA and USA sad, that it just opened. It's very sad that with the uh, shutting down of Infinity, Disney is officially like completely out of the game. Yeah, actually, yeah. Video uh, game. In topical yeah. news, yeah, they've um, they they've stepped out of the game space. So did yeah. they buy out Virgin or did they create their own? Uh, it was just, just a partnership. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So essentially the dying of Disney Interactive is sort of the dying of Virgin Interactive Games? No, no, because I mean, they were they were never like merged into a single okay. entity. They were just partnered up for this one specifically. Yeah, okay. for those you know. two games. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, now Virgin Interactive is Universal Virgin Interactive or whatever. So, yeah, they still know. exist. They still exist. Didn't they do one of the Batman games? Or is that, yeah, so it totally always Warner Brothers who did the uh, Batman game. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. And then Rocksteady. Yeah. I couldn't name anything that Universal uh, of ND did off the top of my head. Probably actually. mobile shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, it's funny because the partnerships of the old days have changed quite a bit because uh, with Disney, it was universally Capcom across the board up until a certain point, and then it started to change. Well, maybe we're getting back to that now because now that Disney themselves are completely out of the game development business now that Infinity is shutting down, there, I mean, Disney's. There's obviously going to still be Disney games, but everything is going to be licensed out to a third party, yeah. right? So, which, which, for them is probably the correct financial it makes, decision. It makes sense. Um, you know, a lot of people mourn the loss of Disney Infinity. A lot of people. I love the figures personally, mm. and I think we all do. But um, I never actually. I only played the game like just demos of the game. I still mourn the loss of Lucas Arts. Thanks, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, a lot of people mourn the loss of that Disney Infinity game. Like people, people really love that game. Well, I'm going to mourn the loss of those figures because yeah, those figures saying, were awesome. Yeah. I, like the game I've heard was you know hit and miss. It's fine. This, the toy box mode is a lot of fun, and that's all well and good. But if they still made those figures, don't include the technology chip, and you could just buy them as a collectible, yeah. that would be great. Well, I guess that it, that is why one of the reasons they shut down the studio, though, was because those figures were so bloody expensive to develop mm. that um, it was costing them a fortune, and they just weren't making they weren't making their money back. Yeah, I guess it was. I, I'd read that it was really hard for them to predict which characters were going to actually sell. So it'd be yeah. like in one wave, like one would be really impossible to get. So they'd be like, oh well, this is a popular character. We'll make a ton of them for the next wave, and then that one wouldn't sell. Yeah. So they just had no way of really knowing. What was going to hit and what was going to miss? They should have just called us. We could have told them. Yeah. Or they do the Nintendo method of underproduce everything and <laughs> yeah, and then just do a second run later on. Yeah, yeah. That is that is what is what Nintendo has done since the beginning, and yeah. it's always worked for them. Yeah. But the design on those Infinity characters is is quite it's, beautiful. I just, yeah, it's stellar. Yeah. I, I just it had its own style, and I loved it. And it was and it was either a love it or hate it thing, but mm. I loved it. Yeah, I've considered buying some Disney Infinity figures, and I don't, I don't have any of the games to play. They're actually you know. cheap now, so if, yeah. if you want them, now's the time. They they reduce the cost of on them across the board. Yeah. yeah, for now, I'm sure they'll go up once they're off the market. I only own yeah, four of them, but I'd like to own more. Yeah, I've yeah. got six, I think. Yeah, cool. Well, speaking of segues, um, <laughs> going back to uh, going back to uh, you know franchises and. Um, I guess, intellectual property that's sort of dominated by a specific company. Um, if we look at the Marvel franchise and early video game history, kind of comparing the whole Disney, Disney to Capcom uh, aspect, uh, if we look at Marvel comics, 
a lot of the games that came out were developed by, or I should say published by LGN games. Um, quite a few were developed by a company called software creations. And I'm a big fan of the music that comes out of a lot of these games. They are fantastic. And the sound, one of my favorite composers of all time of this era, Tim Follen, he's, he's pretty notoriously known for having that software creation sound. Now it doesn't matter whether he was on board or not. A lot of the the, the games had the same sound. Um, it just comes down to the influence of the artist. So if we're going to go and dig deep into the Marvel library of uh, LJN published games, I want to talk about a game called Maximum Carnage or more specifically Spider-Man and Venom Maximum Carnage, which came out for the Genesis and the Super Nintendo back in 1994. Is that the red cart? This is the red cart. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at my Super Nintendo collection, well, there's two games that have red carts, but I think there might only be two in the whole library. I don't know for sure. What's the other one? Doom. Oh, of course. Yes. But there's, I would say 98% of the library is the gray cart. Yep. There's a couple of games. Black. I have, yeah, there's probably a few black ones. The only one I could think of is killer instinct off the top of my head. Yep. Mm. But, uh, Maximum Carnage, amazing cover. It has <laughs> yeah, the cityscape awesome. with, yeah. with Carnage creeping over and then obviously the red cart to go with it. It's I think, amazing. I think I read the Maximum Carnage series. There's like a comic book series yes. called Maximum Carnage. This was one of the first Spider-Man games yeah. that was based off of a comic. Yeah, and I had that. I still, I still have that series, I think, in a box in my parents' house somewhere. And I'm glad you brought that in up. A corner. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the cutscenes from the game were... Um, recreated pixel art based off, from the, based the off of panels from Ooh. yes that so if you cool. haven't played it check it out especially <laughs> if you're a fan you know what's funny is that uh i just realized how many disney things we have in here since disney owns everything in the world between that's true marvel and aladdin and rescue rangers and indiana jones it's like this is again they didn't at the time but it's weird how everything is being conglomerated into a yeah. single you know but media ball the Disney here. episode. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> happy with it now because they're doing a great job. So, well, um, this, this game was, um, a side scroller beat em up. So much like many games on the super Nintendo, but this was one of the few, in my opinion, one of the few Spider-Man LJN games that was actually a lot of fun because they, they dominated all the Spider-Man, all the X-Men games, a lot of the major Marvel stuff. Um, they, I, in the very first episode, I talked about the silver surfer game. Yep. Well, same company, amazing soundtrack, kind of a shitty game. So <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the games are mediocre at best, but this is the one I think that breaks the rule. Did they do the awesome Genesis X-Men X-Men game? I was going to ask about that. That I do don't you know. know. I, I uh, don't know. If that uh, game was, yeah. Oh man. The shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about that game just for one second and yeah, the sure. worst gimmick in the entire world in there? The reset button. The reset button where <laughs> that was cool. It wasn't cool because I owned that game and we never knew that. Like it says you got to reset the system. It's like you got to reset the computer and you had to physically push the reset button on the thing. But it didn't say that in the manual. There wasn't an internet no, for you was, to check this kind of I had the best exposure on. to that so, scene because I played it with a friend who was a Genesis fanboy and he tried to get me to figure out that moment. And I couldn't. And he's like, watch this. And he blew my mind. We <laughs> never figured out that moment as kids. Oh, so you got stuck. Yeah, that was the end of the game for us. Yeah. 
So garbage. I'm surprised because uh, you're you're like the puzzle master. Yeah, but th- th- that was the thing is like Maybe as your a kid, puzzle skill hadn't quite developed. As a kid, that sort of stuff just didn't enter my mind because no. it, was, yeah. it was it was sort of mind breaking. So right? that's, that's yeah. like it was well, it broke the fourth wall. Yeah, it breaks we, the fourth wall, and you're conditioned your entire life of playing video games. Do not touch that button. Exactly. And our Genesis, like I mentioned earlier, that my Genesis was broken, and I can't go back and play anything right now. But and it's all, my Genesis since we got it was sort of touchy in the fact that. Even if you bumped it or tapped it lightly, it would freeze. Like yep. the whole thing oh, would freeze okay. up. And we used to come, have to come up with these ridiculous systems of balancing books and, oh, yeah, and I like had that too. putting it on an angle and like leaning things against the cartridge just to make that thing go. So the, like even putting your finger near the reset button in any kind of way was like a huge taboo. If so, somebody gets ready to sneeze, everybody's like, guard the Genesis. <laughs> well, yeah, I, a friend of mine used to have like it. it same thing with like the NES, right? Cause the NES, the pins would wear or they would flex. Yeah. And so you had to put extra pressure on the cartridge to make it read. And so he would like open the little hatch door and like stick like pencils in there. And you're like, what are you doing? He's like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. I would do the same thing. Mine broke because of the game genie. So I had to do oh, the yeah. same thing. Yeah, the spring, the spring tons broke. of people. So what we did was actually, this is genius. Tell your friend, if he's still <laughs> playing with the same Nintendo 30 years later, yeah. another cartridge. Oh, just stack a cartridge yes. on a cartridge? Yeah. It works perfectly. Yeah. yeah. That's what we did. <laughs> oh, man. So. Yeah, do that. I'm still playing with the same Nintendo 30 years later, so. I just rebent my pins, but yeah. it took forever. Yeah, but sorry, for me, it was that the uh, the spring broke on the cartridge slot. Mm. So when oh, you press the game down, it, it didn't stay, stay down. down. Yeah. So, yeah, a little different. Hmm. But anyways, this soundtrack is a very exciting story. Um it was actually composed by an, a real band, like a, um, I want to say like a rock band. Okay. Um, the band is called Green Jelly, originally called Green Jello, and they had to change the name to Green Jelly. So I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with <laughs> the band, yeah. but um, they are sort of known as a comedy rock band, but of the, I, I guess, late 80s, early 90s era. Okay. Um, I guess of the grunge era. Um, so anyways, they, uh, composed most of the soundtrack and then it was arranged, uh, by a guy named Chris Jojo, um, for the super Nintendo version. Of course I'm going with the super Nintendo version. Um, and, uh, maximum carnage was on Genesis. It was, it it was, and it was also on the mega drive. Um, but anyways, I'm going to say that the super Nintendo version is better. Um, and, I can't argue. Yeah, I can't argue. (laughs) It's actually a fun game. And so there's a few tracks that were done by the band. And the the title theme of the game was actually the first song off of one of their albums that released in um, sort of in unison with the release of Maximum Carnage. So the first song on their album was called Carnage Rules. And there's no context. When you buy this album by Green Jelly, the album was actually called 333. You listen to the first song, it's called Carnage Rules. No context to Maximum Carnage, mm-hmm. the video game, but that's actually the theme song to the game. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's not my pick, though. Yeah. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a 180 We're going, here. A, we're going on a ride here. We're going on a ride, folks. Pack your bags. Take us back. <laughs> I talked about Green Jelly as a band. Well, let's talk about Black Sabbath because that's actually the song I want to play for you. There's a song in the game called The Mob Rules by Black Sabbath. And the interesting thing about this is that they didn't get the licensing rights for this song. They were just like, hey, have you heard this song? Let's put it in our game. Okay, let's go. So 
the entire soundtrack to the game is composed by one band, but then they have a Black Sabbath song in there. The song plays during one of the boss battles. There's, uh, I don't know if, how familiar you, you are with the Spider-Man villains, but there's a character called Doppelganger, sort of a Spider-Man looking mutant freak. He chases you up the side of a building. So you're playing this level where you're literally climbing vertically up a building, trying to avoid um, this character chasing you along the side of the building. When you get to the top of the building, if you've managed to avoid all his projectiles and attacks, you jump on the top of the building and you have a showdown and Black Sabbath starts playing. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. So Wait, when, you, when you jump on the top of the building, do you then turn into your... Uh, your mega Spider-Man Zord? And then <laughs> no, that, oh. that would be awesome. You know what, though? This is one of the first games I've played where... Just because you, you said it was a side-scroller at first, I was like, maybe this one does it, it too. Well, they had to say, like, basically when they're doing that, it's like, this is so good, to hell with it, we'll just put it in the game and beg for forgiveness later because... We can't yes. not do this. this. Super dangerous. This, we have the volume. It's at 10. How yeah. can we turn it up to 11? Yeah. We have to play some Black Sabbath. Yeah. There you go. So let's take a listen. This song is called The Mob Rules. Here we go.
LJN. 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 Uh, it's, it's, I did mention it's Software Creations developed yeah. it, but LJN published it. And that's so biz- that's so bizarre that they didn't. You know, <laughs> maybe they tried to get licensing for the song, and it's like they wouldn't give it to them. Maybe you like, thought they would never get it, so they were just like. We're never going to get it. Let's so, just hide that's it such in a there. risky venture, though. This is oh, in the yeah. Wild well, West they days. Get in the game or yeah, this is the Wild West of video game music. It's like, yeah, our song sounds a little like this other song, but how about if we just recreate the song and yeah. hope that Black Sabbath doesn't play video games? <laughs> little did they know, Black Sabbath loves Spider-Man and video games. And they played it, and, and they, they were like, Did, did oh, anything yeah. ever come of it? No. They just... I wonder if they even know. Maybe I wonder if Black, Black Sabbath, Sabbath even will listen to this podcast and then they'll know <laughs> and then they'll, uh, they'll also, sue LJN who doesn't I, exist I think anymore. I statute of limitations up. Yeah. <laughs> so I should mention that the song is actually called Super Villains, but the Black Sabbath song is called The Mob Rules. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify. So they changed the name at least. Yeah, yeah. To try. So they were hiding it then. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's 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 you, terrible though because actually, I mean, I was I listened to your tracks beforehand and I looked up the mob rules and it's it's an exact like note for note. There's, it's not an inspiration. Yeah. It's the song. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other the other interesting thing I I played through this game quite a bit before the podcast just to refresh my memory and one thing that I didn't pick up on as a kid that I'm looking at now. A lot of the villains in this side scroller beat em up, unlike most side scrollers of that era, they were very considerate with the types of people that you beat up. So if we think back to a little bit of controversy with the final fight series, mm. there was a character that they actually had to censor when they brought it to North America. And that was in J- the Japanese version. There were females that you would beat up. Poison. Poison, and they altered it so they said it was. Oh, what, right. what did they she say? Was it was a, a tranny uh, yeah, in Japan. Tranny. Yeah, but, a, uh, but when it came to North America, they turned it into just um, a sprite alter of a skinny male character. Yeah, but, well, Spider-Man breaks all barriers and beats the crap out of women in this game. Hey, the, oh, really? And Double Dragon, you beat the crap out of women too. But it's Spider-Man. <laughs> oh yeah, Spider-Man. <laughs> He's supposed to be good. <laughs> yeah. The first boss of the game is actually two women. You fight against the two women and you beat the crap out of them and they're called the twins, I think. Yeah. Anyways, I got a chuckle out of that. Oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, Spidey. That's crazy. And of course, you get to play as Venom, which is cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. This is actually a game I've never played. I've always wanted to play it, but I've never played it, so it's, it's one of those games. So on the next yeah. game night, we'll have to yeah, pull it out. And I, for sure. I, think yeah. I, just, I just got to try it. Yeah. All right. And now to my... Last game in the chronological parade of games here, and uh, this is a game from 1990, and no discussion about licensed music in video games is complete without talking about Michael Jackson's Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis. That's right, Michael Jackson's game based on the ridiculous movie Moonwalker. I don't assume a lot of people have seen that movie. I didn't even know it was based on a movie. I thought it was just a standalone game. The movie itself is just, it's like, here's another theme of all my things. Like Goonies 2 based on the insane premise of rescuing this mermaid. Like Indiana Jones, where you kill lava monsters to cross this this pit. So all your and games Michael are just ja- insane. Are insane, yeah. Insane and then games. Michael <laughs> Jackson's the Moonwalker, where Michael Jackson has to uh, save children. Okay, this is this is great. In the main segment of the movie, there's a villain called Mr. Big, and he's this like diminutive guy with a top knot and douchey glasses, and his whole plan is to get the entire population of the world addicted to drugs, starting with the children. So I Mike, surrender. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like the, sounds like the, uh, 
plot yeah. of an 80s and so, yeah. action movie directed by Michael Jackson. So Michael Jackson, <laughs> with the help of these children, he has to like st- stop this guy, and he does so by turning into a car and turning into a robot and Obviously. all this insane nonsense. Was this in the movie, too? Yeah, this is all in the movie. And the movie How did he was turn weird. into a car and a robot in the movie? He wished upon a star. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, come on, Mike, <laughs> get with it. And, and the great part is, is that every time he had to do this, he had to, he wished upon a star. And he's just really lucky with these falling stars, I guess. Yeah. And <laughs> they, they even translated that into the game. But this was just one segment of the movie. There was just one segment in a nightclub where he performed Smooth Criminal and he was dressed as a gangster. And then he uh, did his little dance. And then they, they stopped, they stopped Mr. Big and all this stuff. But the whole movie itself was mostly just a weird, loose collection of music videos, which you've probably even seen some of these music videos, but they originally came from this movie. Okay. For like um, his one for Leave Me Alone and... Like, I think I know Smooth Criminal because yeah. you described him as the gangster, right? Yeah. He had like the white hat and everything. And that was the game, right? Yeah, Where yeah. you were Michael Jackson in that outfit and you start even in a nightclub attacking gangsters and saving children from, you know, this nightclub for some reason. But... uh um, back to the sort of the beginning part about this game is that this game was one of the reasons that we bought a Genesis in the first place, especially over Super Nintendo. I don't even remember the Super Nintendo being on my radar at the time. We just had That's Super crazy. Mario World. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like the, the, well, Michael Jackson on. is clearly the better well, choice. Exactly, exactly. My older brother had a lot of influence and we were trying to decide. Did he really love Michael Jackson? Well, I mean, we were all... At the time, this was, think, this was 1990. Like, I know, the whole world like, loved Michael yeah, Jackson. Loved but Michael Jackson. And, uh, even and, so. <laughs> and so w- when we were looking at the Genesis, um, we looked at Altered Beast, which was big in the arcades at the time. And Altered Beast was the packing game on the Genesis. Like, wow, you can get an arcade quality game. It's actually in the packed arcades, in. packed in. But you got and also, Mario a Michael world. Jackson game. <laughs> It's 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 incredible. We didn't have Mecha Mario though in <laughs> yeah, our that, Super that, Mario. Or world. Mario, Mario didn't turn into a car. Now, yeah, he thing, only had Yoshi. <laughs> with this game too, and that, like that whole, they even packed that all into the into the storyline of the game. Is like you in cutscenes, you turn into a car, and you you can in the game. There are certain segments where you catch a falling star and transform into a giant Mecha silver robot who shoots missiles and lasers. That's you're still awesome. Michael Jackson, but you're just this. Mecha, 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 Jackson. Mecha Jackson. Yeah, exactly. And the game itself was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly well known and it's, it's actually a pretty good game. Like your game that you're mentioning earlier, the Power Rangers one where it goes into a, a fighting game style. Yeah. This one was sort of a side scrolling platformer with a little bit of exploration. You have sort of free reign over these levels. You go around, you rescue children and uh, you, and you also defeat enemies with the power of dance. So you have this like health meter bar. And if you hold down the button um, for a certain amount of time and use up some of your health, he goes into this dance mode where all of the on-screen men- enemies at the time have to run beside you and do a choreographed dance to like a segment of music. So all of the levels had like um, a, f- a popular Michael Jackson song. And then it would do this dance with like this, like a different arrangement of that song um, everything would run in. Even dogs and cats would run in and do the dance. <laughs> that's Soldiers like the, uh, would dance with their guns. That's and, like the Groovatron from Ratchet and Clank. It's yeah. one of the weapons. It's like a disco ball, and you throw it up. And no matter what enemy it is, it can be like the biggest boss. It'll just start, start <laughs> dancing. <laughs> and uh, like, and that would kill all those, kill all the enemies on screen. Oh, they, all almost, they, they, they all died after they danced. They all died the dance because they weren't as good dancers as Michael Jackson. And yeah, all the dance moves, all the dance moves were even like real Michael Jackson 
dance moves as well. Yeah, so it was up on the toes, the lean, exactly all the, the whole lean. So in you're in the smooth criminal level. Moon he does walk. he does the lean and he does like all the moves that are specific specific to that one. Yeah. And then you on when you're in the beat it level, you're on the streets and it's like the snapping fingers kind of stuff and. <laughs> And then, and weird. Here's the weirdest thing about this game that I was never able to explain: was there's a thriller level. So all the all the songs from it really come from the album Thriller. Yeah, all the really big ones. I know where you're going. Yeah, and so they have this thriller level takes place in a graveyard. There's zombies. When you do the summon dance and you summon everyone to you, you do the thriller dance, like the actual moves where he walks back and forth and yeah, like if you've seen the video, you know the dance. Oh yeah, you know the thriller dance. So he does those moves. Thing is, is that they didn't have the song. Thriller in the game. They get the rights to all these miscellaneous Michael like, Jackson songs. Michael Jackson helped develop this game. Like he yeah. was heavily involved in the production of this game, but that, they couldn't get the rights to that one song. That strikes me as something that maybe the studio wouldn't give. Well, what, unless I don't know if he owned all his own music well, rights. Well, here's what I've heard is like the rumor, and I don't know if this is true, is that of all the songs in there, he didn't write Thriller. So. Really? Yeah, he didn't actually write it. It was written for him. Okay, it, it, it wasn't which a song isn't, he Which isn't uncommon yeah. Yeah. for pop stars yeah. today. But I, I wouldn't but, thought that of Michael Jackson. But, but he himself didn't write it. It was written oh, okay. for him. So the speculation is that it, it wasn't specifically his lyrics or his thing. So they couldn't put it in there. Now there are two versions of this cartridge that exist. In in the in there's actually what's called revision zero version of this cartridge, the earliest one. I, I mentioned the snippets of dancing. So when he does the dance and calls everyone to him, it plays a different arrangement of the song that's on the level. And on the thriller level, the song is another part of me. And and so usually on the other revisions of the game, it plays just a snippet of another part of me. But on revision zero of this game, um, it plays a snippet of thriller. So you get the oh. classic thriller baseline, and it's just a tiny little snippet just for the dance part. So, so they pulled it? Or did they pull they, it? Well, they didn't pull the game. It's just that after they just at some point in time they stopped selling Revision Zero and started selling so later revisions. This is oh. kind of like the green blood, red blood from yes. Ocarina yeah. of Time. Yeah, it's yeah. totally that, and it's like ah. the only way to know that you have Revision Zero. Of the game is to play it, get to level three, and then do the dance. And is there see like a serial plays. number or something? Well, you see can with check? Zelda, people track the serial number yeah. on the back of the cart. Yeah, and you know based on the number if you're going to get you know one or green the blood other. Or red blood. So. Yeah. It's almost like they put out what they wanted and there was some backlash and they had to revise the game after it was released. Is yeah. that correct? Or? It, it, it's never clear. Like okay. it's weird in most of my research, this was never mentioned. I had to go specifically looking on like some obscure websites for this specific thing because it's not mentioned in any article, any discussion of the game doesn't seem to bring it up. Okay. It's like a very specific point that I had to seek out just asking the question, why is Thriller not in this game? So mm. it's just just a weird little snippet of video game history that's associated with this bizarre Michael Jackson game that couldn't have his biggest song in it, that's even totally though they had bizarre. a level on it. Yeah, totally bizarre. Yeah, and I mean, and again, like this game is based on a bizarre movie. It's well, based bizarre. on everything you described, it's almost like they intended to have that from the start. Because how do you build a level upon a song you don't have the rights to? You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. It's like they they had it and they lost it. Almost yeah. me, makes more sense to me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, you were mentioning that in your Power Rangers game that at the end of the game, um, it goes into like the fighting mode. Yeah. Now at the end of this game, you actually, it goes into a, like this is side scrolling platformer, but it goes into a first person spaceship combat game 
at the end of the game. So it suddenly That's changes cool. it changes genres at the very end for the final boss battle against Mr. Big, where it's suddenly like this first person space shooter, which was really, really first busy. person on on Genesis. Yeah. I yeah. okay, like. <laughs> what does it look like? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I well, don't I mean, know if I've ever seen a game like that. You see sort of the spaceship window and you so, see stars rushing okay, past okay. you. Was it kind of like Star Fox? Like Star Fox in a way, like not full 3D. Like it's basically oh, so like, like that fake 3D, like, like Friday Doom, the 13th on Nintendo. Yeah. And, it's kind of like that because what you do is you see like the stars coming at you yeah. and then ships like fly in and you have a little aiming reticule and you okay. can like aim at them. Oh, so like steer. Top Gun on Nintendo. and Kind of like Top Gun or Wing Commander if yeah. you've ever played okay. like something like like wing commander. So that, that kind of thing, but it was just, you know, complete genre switch at the like 13th hour, just last minute. Yeah. Why not? It's Michael Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. Balls to the wall. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And a weird, a weird tidbit I found on this is like, I mentioned how weird the movie Moonwalker is. Um, They're actually along with this game, there was a comic book adaptation of the movie as well, which cost this company it was, they were called Blackthorn publishing and they, it cost them so much in licensing fees, and the comic was such a flop that it put them out of business. Oh, so it's just, yeah, them. <laughs> they put everything behind this. Like, Michael Jackson was popular at the time, but yeah. the comic was so bad. All, all the, everything told them that it was the right business decision, exactly. right? It's Michael Jackson. How, how on earth could it ever fail? But yeah, and it failed big time, and, it failed and big they time don't and it exist. Killed them. So, wow. Uh, also, uh, Game Informer placed Moonwalker at number eight on their top 10 worst licensed game ideas ever. There you go. But uh, again, like not a bad game. The game itself was built on the Shinobi engine. So if you've ever played anything, the Shinobi series, which a lot of us have because classic retro game, same engine, just like Shinobi, except you shoot sparkles and magic and dance instead so of throwing that, stars. I don't, have you actually said what the, the, what you were doing in the game though. Cause aren't you like saving children or something? Did I not mention? Oh yeah. Well, just yeah. like, just like Shinobi, there's bubbles, the monkey. <laughs> you're, saving, like, you're saving. Hey, Spider-Man was in, in Shinobi. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But okay. So the premise of the game is, uh, is based on one segment of the movie. So in the movie Moonwalker, it's like a loose collection of music videos and stuff like that. There's like, uh, you know, just sort of music videos for a popular thing. But the biggest segment that had the most story was the smooth criminal segment where Michael travels to this like nightclub and there's all these gangsters and he has this dance off with them. If you've seen the video for smooth criminal, it comes straight out of moonwalker. Yeah. And then beyond that, you know, he escapes from these criminals in the nightclub and then has to stop Mr. Big from getting the world's children addicted to drugs. Oh, okay. So yeah, you did say that, but I just, I just knew that like there was, there's something about kids in the game. And, oh, and yeah. And in the game, which starts in the nightclub and plays the song Smooth Criminal, you, you moonwalk around, you do dance moves to kill enemies, and you rescue children. Yeah. So you have to like look in the trunks of cars and in closets, and <laughs> you save these kids. And once you've saved all the kids, you get to a final boss battle, which generally is just a big dance-off between you and, and enemies from the levels. There you go. So it's a really good. So the game... Michael Jackson's Moonwalker on the Genesis and that awesome FM chip and the track is Smooth Criminal.
Michael Jackson is going to have kids or him and kids or whatever, <laughs> you know. But yeah, like it's just like given uh, later stories about him, right? It's yeah. like maybe not the greatest well, idea. I think when this well, game came out, there wasn't that uh, reputation. No, he no, was I don't at, think he probably had at the height of his height of his career at this moment yeah. height of his popularity michael yeah. jackson is i mean we all know he's a weird character and i think the thing with michael jackson is just that he's he was childish he really never grew up in his yeah. head he was essentially a child well yeah you look at his musical career right yeah. he started off uh in the spotlight as a kid it's almost like he was yeah. frozen in time he was from that moment in on. the jackson five yeah yeah well and he always like he always said that like his childhood was like stolen from him he yeah. never had a childhood so and that's why a lot of people attributed him to like remaining a child was yeah. he was kind of always searching for something that he never got. And he owned his own amusement park. I mean, he had Neverland Ranch Neverland, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, and I had a funny story actually about Neverland Ranch is that uh, my, the story of Michael Jackson is he went, his, he went through a lot of financial troubles actually. Yeah. And uh, at one point in his life, he was forced to sell Neverland, Neverland Ranch to pay off all these massive debts. And uh, so he had a lot of stuff on there, which was going to auction and they were trying to decide who was going to get this auction. And I remember, I actually remember when that auction came up because he was selling a ton of classic arcade games, like full cabinet arcade games that were coming oh, wow. from Neverland Ranch. And I was browsing through all the games that you could get. And I'm like looking at, uh, I don't know if you know the game Afterburner, which is like this big plane. sort of Top Gun plane yeah. kind of game. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, how awesome would it be if I owned like Afterburner. Afterburner. Michael that Jackson's was like Michael Jackson's Jackson's yeah. personal <laughs> Afterburner game. Yeah. Uh, good. Big difference. He, uh, it's funny because he himself eventually shut down that auction. He changed his mind, I guess. And he just couldn't part with all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, couldn't part with all the stuff and changed his mind to shut the whole thing down. Oh, wow. He just wanted to keep Afterburner. He just Afterburner. He's like, somebody's <laughs> interested in my Afterburner. <laughs> no, it's mine. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well... I don't know if you're planning on covering this, but the influence of Michael Jackson in the world of Sega at that time, do you know the story of Sonic the Hedgehog 3? No, nope. no, I know the story of Space Channel 5, but... Is Michael Jackson involved in that as well? Yes. Well, there yeah. you go, because yeah. he was one of the lead composers on Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Mm. And, really? and it, I don't think it was common knowledge at the time of the release because he was uncredited. And... Now, if you look at the Wikipedia page, because it has become more widely known, I don't know if this has anything to do with, you know, him passing or whatnot and this knowledge has come out, but, um, I believe he's, he's gone on record saying that he was involved in some way and I'm not a big Michael Jackson fan. I can't go through his library, but there's a lot of tracks from that game that are very similar to Resemble songs. his songs. Yes, mm. that came out on on later albums of his. And really? it had a lot to do with the fact that he was involved with composing the music. Uh, and, and here's the thing, from what I hear, is that he doesn't know how to write music. What he did was he got in the studio with the actual arrangers and he would hum the tune that he wanted the game to have. <laughs> he would go and he would literally sing the notes and they would write the music to that. And because of that, he's credited as one of the lead composers for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. That's really bizarre. Yeah, well, it's Michael Jackson. Well, I know, yeah. I, thought, I think bizarre. he knows how to write music. I'm not positive on that, but I thought he did. Because he, he was with all those Motown guys back in the day, yeah, right? Exactly. Like with Stevie He's Wonder and all those James people Brown playing and that kind of I'm stuff. Not playing piano with Stevie Wonder and stuff like I'm that. I'm not so. saying that I'm right, but I am saying that from what I've heard and read online, which we know anything you read on the internet, according to, to Abraham Lincoln, is 100% <laughs> true. Um, 
that yes, he's a, a fantastic musician and he can make music and play music, but writing musical like sheet music is totally like, different. And actual okay. notation and stuff exactly. like that. And, yeah. and when you're handing over sheet music to a video game composer, it's different than being with a band and saying, hey, how about this? Yeah, yeah fair enough. Well, I, I knew so he had a strong relationship with Sega because uh, uh, apart from appearing in Space Channel 5, I also read that he was in a boxing game uh, on a Sega system as well. So it's just... Weird. What, yeah. Do you know what game? I can't. I don't... Have it written down. Okay. I can't remember what it was, but it's just you know. There was Mike Tyson's punch out, and there yeah. was Michael Jackson's. Michael punch out. Oh, man, I would totally play Michael Jackson's punch out. <laughs> yeah. You have to dance yeah. <laughs> at the end of every boss battle's dance. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Well, I all think right. that wraps up all of our tunes. That wraps all of our tunes, and so as always, we're going to finish with the fan submitted song. Uh, how do you submit a song? You ask. Well, right now I'm going to tell you the topic for next month's show, and that topic is. Drum roll. Da, 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 da. Racing it's games. Not a drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fanfare. Um, racing games. So Mario Kart, Diddy Kong Racing, Cruise, Cruise in USA, and all the other ones. Um, <laughs> and the rest. And the oh. rest. <laughs> <laughs> There's like at least two or three more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Sorry, I just gave away everything. But um, so hop on to the Twitterverse. Send us a tweet at VGM Generations with a suggestion for a song featured in whatever racing game you want. Uh, Mario Kart probably, but <laughs> any of the others, and uh, and we'll go through and pick our favorite. But for this week, we have uh, Super Star Wars: The Throne Room end credits song. So uh, this was submitted on Twitter by Stephanie Worth, and uh, it's a great song. I don't know much about the game. Uh, can you speak to the game? Well, all I can tell you about the game is that uh, since I was Genesis guy, I never really played much in the Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back, Super Return of the Jedi, and they had all three yeah. series on there. I know they were developed by Factor 5, but I was, uh, and had fantastic art. The music arrangements were really awesome. Like the sprite work was some of the best that I'd seen at the time. And um, it covered the whole trilogy of games, well, or of movies, right? Well, they had a separate one for each one. Okay. They actually had a Super Star Wars, a Super Empire Strikes Back, and a Super Return of the uh, Jedi. Okay. I was more familiar with the JVC series back on the NES, and they only had Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, which were developed by JVC for Nintendo. Okay. And those were really good games. And my experience with the uh, Factor Five LucasArts sort of collaboration was more on the Indiana Jones side of things, because they came out with something called... Um, the complete adventures of Indiana Jones, which was all three Indiana Jones movies mm. at the time. Yeah. And again, it was, it was very much, it was the exact same sort of thing as super star Wars side scrolling sort of action game. And uh, also notoriously hard. I <laughs> couldn't get very far in it, but I did like the segment from uh, temple of doom where you um, ride uh, down a mountain on a uh, rubber raft. Oh, that would be so cool. It is good. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, that's all we know about these games, but uh, or this game. But uh, we know that this song is great, so uh, have a listen to the Throne Room from Super Super Star Wars.
another great song. Thanks again, uh, Stephanie Worth, for your submission. And remember, uh, just jump on Twitter and tweet us at VGM Generations with your favorite racing game, and hopefully you'll get featured in the next episode. Uh, so yeah, to finish off, we're going to finish how we always finish with what we've been playing right now, and uh, <laughs> or what we've been playing recently. And uh, for me, it is all about Overwatch. I cannot <laughs> stop playing this game. It's keeping me up to like two, three in the morning. And it's just one of those games where you're like just a couple more matches and then it's 2 a.m. And you don't know what happened, but you had so much fun and you just want to keep playing because you want to increase your so level because you want to get more loot crates. It is it is a drug. I am addicted, but I'm loving it. Mr. Big One. It Mr. Big One. Because <laughs> he created Overwatch. It looks like a pretty game. I really want to play oh, it. Oh, polishes. Polishes. It's, it's like Blizzard, right? So it's it's the highest sheen. It's not the kind of game I would want to play, but because of how pretty it looks and how interesting the character design is, yeah. I'm tempted to try yeah. it. Yeah. That's totally it for me too. Is like I, I super love the character design in it. I love the look of the game, but it's absolutely not my style of game, but, and I don't think I would actually enjoy playing it. Because you guys never play Team Fortress? I did. I played the hell out of Team and Fortress it, Two. It's and just I, like Team Fortress Two. I and don't it was like Team Fortress Two. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's exactly it, is I never, ever could get into Deep Fortress oh, okay. 2. And as as good as Overwatch looks, yeah. I know it's not for me. Oh, God. I love Team Fortress 2, and I love Overwatch. And it's just like, and I, I've ever since Team Fortress 2 came out, because it's, it's a very specific, strange genre, right? And they call it like a hero shooter, a hero first-person shooter. And it's just like, it's not... Other than Team Fortress 2 in this game, and obviously uh, Team Fortress 1, but I never played that, but um, these are the only games like this I've ever seen. And God damn it, they're fun. If I was <laughs> going to play an FPS, this would be the game for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it, it is kind of that goofy, right? People have crazy powers and you can charge up and you can, you, you, you have to charge your, uh, your ult. They call it ultimate. And, uh, yeah, then once you do, you like you're you're if you're if you're playing on a coordinated team, which like most games is the only way to really play and succeed. Otherwise, it's just a crapshoot if you're just playing with randoms. But um, when you when you are playing together on a team with your friends, everybody you know everybody charges all their alts, and then you go in there and everybody fires off their <laughs> alt at once, and it's just like this giant <laughs> like most craziness. Games, I was just gonna say, like most games of uh, of that type, it's uh, one of those games that I don't feel that I have the time to like get good enough to be competitive. But that's the best thing about it, right? Because I hate that too. I hate when, you know, Call of Duty or or uh, Battlefield or whatever, pick your pick your FPS, right? Most of them, you don't play in that first week. Forget it. You're yeah. lost. You're, you're, you're lost. Yeah. You're not going to you won't have the upgrades, you won't have the better weapons, you don't have the skill to play. You just don't. Don't even bother. This is not that game. That's the best thing. All the upgrades, everything you get is all uh it's all cosmetic. Everything's cosmetic. So no, all, all you can do is get better with certain characters. Plus you can get hats. Team Fortress 2. There, there <laughs> okay, are costumes, not specifically hats. Do they have no, the, somebody bitched about that online and I was like, <laughs> shut up. Have, has, has the nude mod been released yet? Because, you know. <laughs> no, but a couple of the characters are pretty crazy. Like well, a couple of the I've alternate. I've seen some cosplay, especially. Yeah, you know, and a couple so. of the. Uh, <laughs> There's this character called Winston that I hear about that I'm. Yeah, uh, Winston's the, the giant gorilla. Oh, yeah. This Maybe. is Overwatch. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's, my, that's my best Winston impression. <laughs> I, the other day I was doing it, I was like, I'm killing this. I can I'm the fill, best I Winston. Can Fill in for this Winston voice. Um, but um, there are a couple like, so um, 
with the costumes, there's like color changes are the cheapest and the most basic ones that you get like the, and then you can get like slightly better colors and like sometimes you'll get like a, a slight variation and then there's like the top tier of costume which is like a thousand credits or whatever and it's like a totally different so like the guy who's a engineer Torben who's like my favorite he's the one I have the most playtime as uh, his top tier costume change turns him into a pirate so he's like <laughs> he's either Blackbeard or Redbeard and I think Redbeard is called Barbosa and it's awesome it looks so cool <laughs> instead of like a instead of like a big like tank on his back he's just got like the steering wheel from the ship and it's like it's great anyway Overwatch <laughs> I'm playing the hell out of it uh, it's pretty much taken over all my other gaming uh, um, me and Aaron actually have played some GTA 5 online yeah we missions. gotta get back to those heists shout out to the heist missions super fun we're that's you know we're stuck right now, but we'll get through it. That's as, where with everything. that's a game where I can get behind. Where you know having a coordinated team means everything because well you, you know, can't do it without it. It's yeah, impossible. Totally, and I just I love that because it's you know it's cooperative rather than competitive. I don't have yeah. to you know yeah and and I do love a good co op game too. But yeah. the uh, it's kind of Overwatch is kind of co op and competitive because like if you're not cooperating with your team, you're you're done. Like mm. if, if you, if you rush in on your own, you'll just get smoked every time you have to work together as a team. And one of the coolest things is, sorry, I'm going to wax poetic about Overwatch for a <laughs> long time. Um, one of the coolest things about it is um, in the loading screen, it always encourages you to have a balanced team. So if you, if you like front load your team with just uh, like attack players and no support or no defense or no builders, um, little warnings will pop up on the side and be like, you need more, you need a support character, you need a healer, you need something. So. Please construct additional pylons. <laughs> exactly. But uh, no, it's Overwatch is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. If you have any interest in like this hero shooter genre of which there aren't many, but if you like Team Fortress 2, you'll love this game. Go pick it up. Yeah, Overwatch definitely needs more support because, man, if people <laughs> don't start playing that game... Yeah, oh. it's it's going to fail big time. Yeah. Maybe it's, you're it's, not oh. on Reddit. It's <laughs> already <laughs> falling off the radar. Nobody's talking about it except Mike, who won't shut up about it. Yeah, yeah okay, it's yeah. popular. <laughs> but it's popular for good reason. Yeah, well, since you're playing GTA with Mike, what else are you playing? Uh, so GTA Five, getting trying to get back into this heist, man. It's just it's tough to coordinate people, especially when you're adults. Getting getting four people <laughs> together all at the same time. Remember to when do we this? were kids and we had endless amounts of time? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Well, we I miss that so much. Same room and play though. Stupid and it was jobs great. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. jobs suck. But yeah. uh, other than that, I've Stupid been playing need for money. <laughs> I've been playing actually uh, a lot of Uncharted Four because I'm a big fan of the. Uncharted series, and uh, so Uncharted 4 came out not that long ago, and I went through the game. I beat it, but I can't stop playing the game just because being the completionist I am, I'm like jumping back and forth through the game, looking for the treasures and the journal entries and all the unlockables and every pickup that I could possibly again get scouring that game, and I'm like, I, I refuse to look online for guides. I refuse any sort of help. So it's which uh, is your you, you wouldn't find any anyways because nobody's playing Uncharted nobody's 4. Nobody's talking about that game. That's another game. <laughs> Have you heard about this adventure game, Uncharted 4? I think, you know, I think there were three others before it, but I don't know because it came out of nowhere. Hey, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's bad. I didn't say either were bad. I'm just poking the No, bear. but... Uncharted 4, and I, I have very strong opinions on the Uncharted series. Uh, specifically, and I know Mike and I have had many discussions on yeah. this, is I didn't like Uncharted 3. Uncharted Which 3, I did, but... Yeah, Uncharted 3 was a mess for me. Like 2, Uncharted 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. I think it had one of the strongest intros ever 
in a game that just sucks you in and made you want to play it. And me being again a big Indiana Jones fan, like that series just spoke to me completely. Yeah. So two leads Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Two blew me away. And uh, then when I got three, it hotly anticipated it came and it was just it was just a mess. Like the shooting mechanics weren't the same. They introduced this brawl mechanic where it was all context context sensitive. Quick time it, events. Right? Yeah, quick time events. And it, and it just never felt smooth. It felt very clunky. It broke up the action. You'd walk into sets in that game and that felt just like uh, it, it, you, you'd walk into a place in like a shipyard and be like, all right, here comes another big gun battle, that kind of thing. You anticipate um, what's happening next. Yeah, it, it just never pulls you out of the story. It, it kind of fluid. Yeah. And it kind of reverted to one a bit yeah. where what that was what one was, right? It was just like run to this area, clear it out. Yeah. Next area. And climb, I played next area, clear it out. I actually played uncharted two first and then I played oh, uncharted you, one. Oh, you never that. played one. I played one or you played one first, but I played two first. Um, then I played one. Then I played two a million more times and then I played three. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and also the three, the animations, like Drake just stumbled around like a drunken sailor. Like he kept twitching his hands out, trying to touch everything. And which one was that one? Was three. Three. Oh, okay. Yeah. But to me, four feels like an apology for three. It's like they took all of the broken systems that were in there. Like gunplay feels great. The climbing mechanic feels great. The uh, the all the animations are just beautiful. What about like, the rope? It's a beautiful game. The grappling the hook is so much fun to it play looks with. So awesome. I've, <laughs> heard, I've heard it's not in the game as much as you'd want it to be, though. I've heard that they've like impl- implemented all these great new systems, but they don't use it as much. Well, the rope is in is actually like they use it a little bit in sort of the climbing sections here and there. It, it's it's I think it's in there an okay amount. They put it into the combat sections as well when you're fighting guys. But I'm. I but never it's in the e- multiplayer too. That's oh, okay. the big place yeah. where it's used a lot. Is in the multiplayer, which is another reason for me to rant because I don't. You know, I'm not a PlayStation Plus subscriber. I don't. You no know, I, multiplayer. I wouldn't, for I wouldn't you? get the value out of it. So there's no multiplayer for me yeah. essentially. So I'm only playing the single player stuff. But they put the rope into the, like the, some of the combat sections, and it's fun to use there. But problem is, as soon as you do it, you're seen, and they're shooting at you while you're on the rope, and then you die. But one thing they do is they totally fix that brawl mechanic where fighting in the game is again quick and it's smooth. It's just integrated into the combat in a much simpler way. You don't have all these like complex blocks and dodges. It's just beat up the guy and move on. And then they, on top of that, they've beefed up the stealth mechanic in there. So you, there's all this tall grass that you can hide in and you can like, (laughs) Very Assassin's Creed like kind of grab people and pull them in. If oh, people that's the best. see you, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, if people see you and they start shooting at you and everybody's like looking for you, there's like a mechanic where they'll see something out of the corner of their eye and they're like, oh, I think I saw something. And they'll kind of investigate a little bit. But if you don't get into cover or hide, then they'll they'll see it's you and everyone will start attacking. Nice thing is, is that the fight like you don't have to just go into action mode. You can escape and hide and then go back into stealth mode where they lose track of you. And then you can yeah. go back to sneaking totally around like and, Batman. Yeah. You it's, know, it's kind of yeah. like, it takes, it takes the best parts of like the Batman series and, a, a, and uh, Assassin's Creed kind of yeah, thing. Like jumping into the hay pile, the haystack and yeah. come out later. Well, well, well this well, is really good because like, like it's so beautiful. Like shooting at you, you jump into water, you dive underwater. You see like this sort of like uh when bullets pass through the water oh, and they're yeah. leaving like that vortex behind them. That's super like cool. The, the amount of little details in the game like that just make like Uncharted has always been about feeling like you're playing an action movie. And it does. You take any screenshot, like any moment in that game, you pause it and there's like your back of the box screenshot. It just yeah. looks beautiful from every angle at any time. Well, and, and lo- one of the guys I listen to all the time, Colin Moriarty, um, likes to say that nobody knows how to make a game like Uncharted. 
or like a naughty dog. I mean, like nobody, for some reason, the caliber that they reach is like unattainable by every other studio. Like mm. it's just the, the polish, the quality, the gameplay, yeah. the story, the cutscenes. It's uh, like, it's uh, just too good. The immersiveness of those environments. And I'm a guy who in games loves to like look at things and just mm-hmm. explore and see things. And they do a lot of st- same stuff as they do in like the last of us. Well, they'll let you yeah. loose in just a house. Right. And even though you only have a point A to point B sort of thing, like you have to, you're, you you're here plow, yeah. and you can go down here and talk to the character and continue on with the game. But I will spend like forever in that house, like learning about the lives of the people who live there, like how they throw their laundry on the floor, like whose sink in the bathroom is whose and you know, what you can learn from like what stuff they just have lying around. But all, all those details are there. That's yeah. the crazy part. Yeah. And it's even like just the other day is like, you're just walking past and you see, you know, as you're walking past, you see just, sort of out the corner of your eye, somebody walking their dog out, out on the sidewalk in front of your house. It's like, they didn't have to put that detail in there. Like you're, you can't really even see out the windows. It's just a crack. And yeah. yet they put somebody out there walking their dog just to add to the immersiveness. Or like you look out the window and way down the street, you see a car sort of drive by on the road in the distance, just little tiny details that add to the immersiveness of the world. And it just, it blows me away what they've done. Yeah. Like that said, the game is beautiful and immersive. Still not my favorite in the series. Two still sort of tops it out for me. Yeah. But the gameplay and the and just the look and the immersiveness of the world blow anything else away. Yeah. You were saying earlier in the week though that they're they're almost coming. They're bar. almost they're almost parallel. Yeah. Mostly because they fixed everything from uh, from three from three. But I mean, one thing- I still give two the edge because I liked the Indiana Jones esque story to it. Yeah. Which was, you know, especially with the, the huge intro, the sort of supernatural elements to like yeah. ancient Well, there's Nazis. always a supernatural yeah, like, element of some sort. There's Nazis and there's like this sort of like warlord and there's, you know, yeah. you, and all of the little elements in there gave the edge. Plus I liked the characters, the whole love triangle between Elena and Chloe and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, in the new game, it's your brother, Sam. So it's actually Drake and his older brother. And I just don't feel Sam is as strong a character or partner. Oh, as, really? Yeah. Because I've, I've heard from other reviews that they love Sam, that they thought it was a, that they thought he wasn't going to be, that he thought it was going to be kind of an awkward addition, but he is very well integrated. Yeah. I like him better than I thought I would, but I still don't feel he's as strong. I okay. like the sections where, you know, like when you're back with like Sullivan or like yeah. Elena and that kind of stuff. But one thing I wanted to ask you. Um, cause it's one of my favorite things in the game and I know it's in four cause I saw it in like an E3 preview, but like, you know, when you're doing a combat section and you're like, knock a guy out and his gun will like fly up in the air and you catch it. <laughs> that happened. Was that in two or was that only that in was three? Only in three. That was only okay. three. And that, and that I, makes three the better game. That only happens like <laughs> once in the game. Honestly, I find that kind of stuff so ridiculous. I <laughs> love it though. It's so impossible, but it's, it, you, you're just like, that's, that's kind of stuff you see in trailers. That's trailer material. They had that stuff in two, but it wasn't the same. Like it, yeah. it, it, in two, you could like attack a guy, do like one of the melee combat yeah. finishes and then the gun would pop up and you'd catch it. Okay. But it wasn't as elaborate, I think, as it was in three, where yeah. three you do these like big moves and yeah. it would be like almost slow motion where the gun pops up and then... It was so good though. Yeah, I it love was, it. It's so it's so cheesy it and it makes me so happy. <laughs> it, it doesn't... It, I didn't notice that sort of stuff happen. Like I think if you do a big... There's a cool move you can do where you're like over top of somebody and you can like jump off of a ledge and like punch them That's on the, the way down. That's the one I saw on the trailer. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you'll get that sort of animation. Yeah. Where the gun pops up and you yeah, can catch it. Exactly. And I, I really... One thing I, I have to say, also say about Uncharted 4 is like in the podcast is talking about Goonies and you know my love of Goonies and Indiana Jones and this four really hits all the beats because it sort of deals with pirates and clearly, clearly took inspiration from Goonies on a lot of levels. So it's like, 
Goonies meets, you know, Indiana Jones. Pirates of the Michael Caribbean. Jackson. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, there's some Michael Jackson in there. You got it. <laughs> but yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean and also a little bit of Monkey Island references. And I know on the podcast, I've talked about my love for Monkey Island before. Yeah. And they took Monkey Island, Pirates of the Caribbean, Goonies, and they mashed it all together into an Indiana Jones game. And it's like, they wrote for Aaron, love Naughty Dog on it. And that was like, <laughs> that was it. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Cool. All right, Jordan, what are you playing, buddy? Well... I'm at a crossroads. I just finished a game last night and it's actually been a while since I've beaten a game. I feel like I've started tons of games yeah. and I've either been playing games that don't really have endings or they're just too hard. I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> well, it's, it's just the issue of being an adult gamer. Right? Exactly. You, Plus you don't you're on have Steam a, now. You can never finish a game again. Well, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. Sorry. It. Yeah. <laughs> there's only so much time in a day and sometimes you just can't keep playing the same level over and over again. You got to move on. You know, and and we're in an era now where there's literally millions of games at your fingertip that if you get tired of a game, you don't have to keep playing it. It's not like when we were kids and, you know, this is what you rented. This is what you're playing for the whole weekend. You better get your money. <laughs> Doesn't worth. matter if it sucked. You would play the hell you out of that game. To, yeah. yeah. So last night I beat Catherine on PS3. Oh, um, wow. That's a game that was sort of in my like on and off list. It was like whenever I had a couple minutes here or there, because the idea of Catherine is that it's um, it's a puzzle platformer type game, heavier on the puzzle aspect, but um, crazy made, plot, super crazy. <laughs> that's that's just what, go over the plot in case anyone hasn't well, heard of it. I will. I, I just want to touch quickly on the fact that the reason I've been able to actually finish it is because it's a great like, hey, do you, you know, you want to like game and go like you got five minutes you got 10 minutes play a level save it come back to it later yeah so um the idea is you play the game as this character named vincent and you're having relationship problems uh you're dating a girl named Catherine. the title character of the game you might think no there's another Catherine. so Whoa, you, come you come across <laughs> another woman named Catherine. her name is spelt with a c you're your girlfriend, Catherine, is her name spelt with a K. So you're at a bit of a crossroads because you have this girlfriend that is your soon to be fiance. Throughout the plot of the game, you decide that she's the one and you want to propose to her. But she's like the stable solution. She's she is responsible. She yeah. represents the order in life. Yeah. And uh, you come across this other Catherine and she represents what you later discover as freedom. So the, the, the counter opposite to becoming, you know, married and following order in life. Yeah. Um, so you meet her at the bar one night and she, she throws your life down the rabbit hole. You, you have these interactions with her that, um, whether you want to or not, um, they just sort of unfold. The, the game has, um, sort of a decision based meter that kind of has some effect on how the game plays. Um, a, a lot of the decisions you make in the game, you're sort of ranked, whether you make, um, it sort of has it's an light eight, side or dark side. That's decision. exactly what the meter is. It has an angel and a devil and the meter sways side to side based on your decisions. When you, without spoiling the, the plot of the game, uh, it's revealed at the end that the meter always represented order and freedom. And that was okay. sort of the hidden message of the game. Um, so the game jumps between a really well done anime story, uh, anime drawn storyline and these elements of puzzle platforming. So what happens is you get sucked into 
you, when you go to bed at night, you get sucked into this dream world and you find yourself at the bottom of this tower that you have to climb. And as you climb the tower, you're essentially climbing to salvation or your freedom. And it, all the men are sheep, right? Yes. It's very you, subtle. When you wake up in this, <laughs> when you, when you dive into this dream world, yeah, you have, you have like uh, ram horns on your head and everyone around you have. And you're are, just are in sheep. your underwear, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're run and, and uh, you're carrying this. And pillow. so you're saying this is a Japanese game. It's that doesn't sound right. Super Japanese, super <laughs> Japanese. Yeah. It's, it's Atlas developed. So that might, yep. that might say a lot right there. So you climb the tower. If you manage to get to the top of the tower and, uh, achieve the goal, then you're allowed to wake up and go on with your life. Therefore going into the next part of the storyline, it's pretty much strictly just a puzzle game. But then it jumps between these uh, these really well done anime story uh, story elements. So, is there any interactive component to the anime parts there, of the game? There is, and it actually is a lot more interesting than you would imagine off the top. Because when you first start playing the game, you're essentially you're you're just sitting in the bar with your friends, having a couple drinks, and you are allowed to get up and walk around in the bar, talk to your friends, talk to the other bar patrons, um, and this helps build a storyline. But uh, it helps a lot of these characters that you meet in the bar end up going into the dream world with you as as sheep, because the component that brings you into this weird dream world is the fact that you're sort of a cheater. The if you're not a good person, essentially the main character cheats on his girlfriend and he gets pulled into this dream world because he's not a good person and he has to redeem himself by climbing this tower. So a lot of the people you meet in the bar, you talk to them and you learn their story. When you go into the dream world, there's all these sheep running around, uh, these anthropomorphic sheep running around that have the same story as these people you've met in the real world. It turns out they're the same people, but you have to kind of put that together yourself. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a, it's a neat story. It's really hard to explain because of how bizarre it is, but I found that I was only playing it at first because it had a, a pretty neat story and the puzzle element was fun. But by the time I got far enough to the game, I was really sucked into the story and I needed to keep playing it. And mm. the cool thing was after beating it last night, I unlocked a really cool feature, which is like, um, usually when you beat the game, it's almost like a tacked on sort of like second thought type element. Well, with this game, um, it was almost like they withheld a really cool component of the game and saved it for when you play through the whole thing and that's co-op mode. So hmm. I beat the game and now I have the ability to climb the tower with friends. I just, I just need to have friends in order to, <laughs> to play this. But. Uh, I, I've always been interested in playing Catherine, actually. I played uh, the demo way, way back when it was first released. I remember downloading the demo and I enjoyed it, but it was one of those ones that I played it, enjoyed it, and then it immediately sort of went off my radar. Yeah, it's 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 hard because the demo gives you a taste of what the gameplay is like, but it doesn't give you a sense of what the story is. The story, yeah. It doesn't do enough to draw you in. Yeah, because right? if you were to essentially strip the game down to the gameplay, it's kind of a dry game. It's If you're into puzzle games, I love it. And I do like puzzle games, but if you're not into puzzle games, you might not like the game that much. The story I don't think is enough to keep you drawn in. But if you are, if you're partial to story, uh, to, sorry, to game, to puzzle gameplay in the least, the story will suck you in because it's actually really good. And if you're an anime fan, that helps too, but it wasn't really something for me that needed to be there. Wow. Just like professor Layton. There you go. That's serious. That's all <laughs> yeah. puzzles and anime and you would, characters. you would like it if you played a bit more Isn't Atlas. Didn't Atlas do Professor Layton? No. I want to say no as well. well they did. 
Oh, anyway. All right. I'm totally wrong. <laughs> Great way to end the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that's it for episode five of VGM Generations. Remember to post your suggestions for song in next for the next month's podcast, which is Racing Games, on Twitter at VGM Generations. And if you want to contact us, the email is VGM Generations at gmail.com. Until next time. <laughs>